does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Get along really well. Gardner's obviously uh, seen seen a little bit more in this league than, than Anthony has, but those guys, the lines of communication are open. They talk to each other a ton. You know, they've got a little bit of a history from kind of working out together, uh, but even before the draft. So those guys have known each other before they were teammates here. So relationship seems seems great to me. Those guys are competing out there. I mean, what I see is 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 two guys trying to play really really good football, but they're not afraid to help each other out and ask questions and communicate with each other, which is a really good really good trait for our offense. Really good thing. You know, Shaq is one of those players that has great communication with all areas of the organization. So if he's working out, all of a sudden you'll get a videotape of him working out, you know, and say, hey, here's where I'm at. And the relationship Richard Smith and him have developed is there. there is a strong, strong sense of trust between those two. And I think Shaq will go to Richard and say, hey, what did you think? And Richard Smith, as if you know him, there's not a lot of BS to him. He'll tell him, but when he says, hey, I like the way this is looking and how it's coming together, but that's that Shaq, he's got great communication, sends tapes to me, Richard, the trainers, and I think we all have a pretty good sense where he's at. So now, really, it truly is about just getting him reps. Uh, he's, he's been a pro. He's been he's been normal JT. I've been, I've been you know, like I said, excited to get going with training camp, and, uh, you know, all the guys are, are fired up to get going, and he's been, he's been right there with them. Oh, what's going on, everybody? I'm Brian No. He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan today. Man, um, I kind of wish I had a southern accent like Jim Bob Cooter. I'm going to be honest with you, Eddie Garrison, where it's solid. And uh, he pulls it off well. My day feels better after hearing from Jim Bob Cooter already. And you're going to hear more from the guy. But he's talking about, among other things, the relationship between Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson. And I like that. I like that those guys are tight. And I believe Gardner Minshew when he says, look, man, it's not about me being here and A-Rich being there. He hopes Anthony Richardson is great and Gardner's just got to raise his level of play. So that's his mentality. I think that's awesome as a backdrop going into the season. I think he came here and he under he understands what he has to do this year. And he understands his role is to help develop Anthony Richardson, hopefully become the Colts uh, future quarterback of the franchise. And, Good step in the right direction today. Uh, like Gardner said, after their first practice on Wednesday, uh, they'll be splitting the reps. So today, Anthony Richardson took all the first-team reps, and Gardner Minshew took all the second-team reps. So it'll be something to monitor uh, the more and more practices go along. Yeah, that's the interesting thing, man, is as they're just figuring out who's going to start to begin the season and dividing up the reps – I think it's really important. And I don't think they know who's going to be the quarterback just yet. That's my hunch because training camp just began. And if they knew they were going to roll with Anthony Richardson, it doesn't make sense for him to get any second team reps. So I don't think they do know at this stage. But that's a, a tricky thing, right? Because as you're figuring things out, once you figure them out, you could look back and be like, Man, if we knew this a little while ago, we would have given Anthony Richardson all the first team reps if he's going to be the week one starter. They don't know yet, though, Eddie. Oh, yeah, that's that's pretty evident. And I'm, I wonder how long it would take. Like, I don't know. Like, you have to give him as many reps as you can with that first team just because you need him to gain that chemistry with the receivers. But at the same time, if 
you have hesitancy on starting him as your QB1 for week one, then you also have to let Gardner Minshew get his reps with those receivers to get some chemistry going. So it's going to be an interesting battle and a seesaw. I wonder how it'll play out during the preseason because typically – uh, those joint practices that teams do nowadays, you see the starters go all out, all out for that one practice or that second practice, however many they do, uh, and they're out that following preseason game against that opponent. In this case, I don't know the, how that's going to work with the Colts. Like, Do you get one practice where Anthony Richardson is starting against the Chicago Bears, and then the next mm-hmm. practice it's Gardner Minshew, and then both of them end up playing in that preseason game against the Bears here at Lucas Oil Stadium? So it'll be certainly fascinating to watch. Yeah. I know it, and that's a it's a tough puzzle to see come together because Anthony Richardson, we've been harping on it, harping on it, as pretty much anybody following the Colts has. He didn't have a whole lot of seasoning in college, so I think those first-team reps are even more valuable for that guy as a rookie. So I'm not calling out the Colts at all. I get it. They're just figuring it out as they go. It's just... It's a tricky puzzle to solve exactly correctly. You know, I don't think there's perfection because there's no way to know as of today, July 28th, who your week one starter is going to be. You don't know that for sure. You might have a hunch, but I don't think you're all in one way or the other, and that's why you're dividing up the first team reps. So uh, Jim Ursay, our good friend. The gift Eddie. that keeps on giving. Man, oh man. So... He had a conversation with ESPN, and he was following up his tweet from a couple of days ago. So he chimed in on Twitter on the uh, state of the running back position, right? Where some of the running backs, they want to renegotiate and have a higher franchise tag number. And so Jim Mersey threw his two cents out there, right? Says, nope, we're not doing that. We've got a CBA in place. We're not having any of that take place in the NFL so then he follows it up yesterday with the phone conversation with ESPN and does more damage (laughs) it does more damage he's like let's let's clear the air here let's just make sure everything's uh and then he does more damage so he says to ESPN the comment wasn't really directed at Jonathan he's talking about his tweet we haven't exchanged any contract numbers with each other or anything like that so it's not like we're in the midst of that I think we had a tough season last year, didn't win a lot of games. This is a year about coming back together and having a great year, and we're really depending on Jonathan to team up with Anthony Richardson and try and pull together to have a great year. So uh, back up just a second. In between all of that, there was this little detail about we haven't exchanged any contract numbers with each other or anything like that. So... The Colts have not offered Jonathan Taylor a contract extension. This is big information because JT's entering his final season of his four-year rookie contract. He's seeking a new deal. The Colts have not offered a new deal. And so Jim Mercer goes on. He makes more comments. He says, we love Jonathan. We need Jonathan. Our hope is Jonathan has an outstanding year and that we have a good year as a team. And then we get his next contract done. That's the hope. We think the world of him as a person, as a player, it's just timing. When your time comes to get paid, then you get paid. So, few things here, Eddie. There are plenty of players who get a contract extension before their contract is entirely up. 
Typically, that's the way it works in the NFL. It's happened that way with the Colts. Shaq Leonard, Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly. So you got three offensive linemen and Shaq Leonard. They all got extensions before their rookie contracts were up. They got an extension one year before their rookie deal was up. Think about this offseason. Justin Herbert just got a huge contract extension. Joe Burrow's about to get one. You saw Trayvon Diggs with the Cowboys. You saw Cole Komet with the Bears. You see a lot of players playing various positions. And meanwhile, just the the lowly running back position over here. Again, getting shafted once again. And uh, Jim Irsay is trying to spin it in a way where, well, when it's time to get paid, we'll pay. Well, it is time to get paid. It's just the running back market. Running backs across the league are not getting paid. They're not getting money that is the equivalent of the production there. And that's just the, the state of the running back position. But outside of that, it's really what Jim Irsay is saying. And it's not clearing anything up. It's not making anything better. If anything, it's just making things worse here. Absolutely. And I believe those comments by Irsay on Twitter came after in were in direction to Najee Harris and right. not the situation of Jonathan Taylor, but still you have to have the right frame of mind to think like, Hey, if I fire something off like this, I know I have a running back who wants a new contract and he's not obviously being offered a new contract yet in comparison to where we have offered players in the past entering their final year of contract extension. Now I will say the one caveat to Jonathan Taylor in comparison to Braden Smith uh, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, and Shaq Leonard, and Naheem Hines, you have to remember that they did that a season ago as well, uh, is that Taylor is coming off an injury season. Uh, none of those players that previously got an extension going into the final year of their contract were injured or had dealt with injuries at that point. Sure, Quentin Nelson did, but that was after, I believe, he signed the extension, and I don't think even if he had the injury prior to that, they would not have, like they were still going to extend him no matter what. So that point was moot right there. Uh, But to me, like in in addition to him playing that running back position, him dealing with the injury of the ankle last year. And then like we talked about a little bit yesterday, I think the production of Zach Moss really proved that there is a, there is another running back that's capable of producing in the run game. Sure. It may not be as explosive as Jonathan Taylor. You may not see the 30, 40, 50, or even the 60 yard runs and the long touchdown plays that he is capable of making. Cause those are, those are types of plays that you just can't coach and you can't teach players at that position, which makes Jonathan Taylor special. So it's a very interesting situation when you have to consider all the factors that I go, that go into it. And I don't think if you're Jonathan Taylor, you're accepting a contract extension in the middle of the season, like unless you do, because you in that running back meeting that Austin Eckler had on Zoom, you got to talk to Saquon Barkley, Eckler, and a bunch of other guys, and it was reported like last year that Saquon Barkley turned down $13, $14 million a year on a contract extension because he felt like he could get a bigger number this offseason, and now look at it. Well, that's the thing. As it relates to JT, the injury issue, it's not ideal. But even if he was coming off a monster season or a really strong season, I still don't think he has a contract extension. Because look elsewhere, you just mentioned Saquon Barkley. Saquon's coming off a a nice year, very good year. He didn't get a contract extension. Josh Jacobs of the Raiders led the entire league in rushing. He didn't get a deal. So even if Jonathan Taylor didn't have that ankle injury and miss about six games last season – there's still no guarantee he would have a long-term 
extension. It's just, it's the current state of the running back position. I, I hate it. I think it's crazy, but that's the way teams have positioned it, and that's where the market is. The other part of this with Najee Harris, and this is where Jim Mercer just got to know better, man. He initially stepped in it, and then he continued to step in it. He stepped in it with his left shoe, and he's like, oh, whoa. And as he was gazing at the left shoe, he's stepping in it with his right shoe. And then before he left, he didn't hop over. He he just started waddling around it, and he started doing a two-step. Right? He's not helping anything. The original tweet, he is responding to Najee Harris who is hoping to change things for the running back position in general, for them to get more money. He put out his tweet, and he just got to know better. It'd be like this, Eddie. Let's use radio. Let's say both you and I work at the same station and we're part-time workers, and we hope to get full-time status. You know, if the manager says about you, right, like he's, he's responding to you, saying something on air like, I, I want to be full-time, I should be full-time, I'm underpaid, like whatever. And, and he, he goes out and he puts it out there like, no part-timers are going to be full-time here. Like, that affects me. How does that manager not know that he's not only talking about you, he's also talking about me. We're both in the same boat. So with Jim Ursay addressing Najee Harris, he's also addressing Jonathan Taylor. How does he not know that? And then when he's trying to clear things up, it's like, oh, yeah, we haven't offered him a contract anyway. It's like, wait a minute, back up. You haven't done that. Now more damage. This is supposed to be damage control, not more damage. (laughs) He doesn't have that down pat just yet. It would just like it's just a big summary of how it's been the last five seasons for Colts fans. It's like they just can't not get out of their own way, whether that's Chris Ballard or that's Jim Ursay, because there have been time after time again where Ursay makes a public comment and it's like Chris Ballard's just sitting there and he's all unhappy like the Jeff Saturday situation last year. Like that was just an atrocity from the start. And I don't know, like the the ownership itself just has recently just stumbled over their feet and has not been the same ownership that Colts fans are used to seeing. And Jim Mercer sending out that tweet two nights ago is just another example of that. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're looking at. But yeah, you look at JT and so... I mean, think about it this way, Eddie. I think the best thing JT can do is just have a monster season and hope for the best. That's really it because that's what's going to matter most. It's nothing that he can say. There's no words. There's not a tweet. There's nothing that he can do to gain leverage. The best chance is to go out, ball out, and hopefully it will lead to money. Even that doesn't guarantee it will. Like, he could lead the league in rushing just like, um, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs did with the Raiders and still not get paid. That's what we just saw with Josh Jacobs. Yep. So it's not a certainty, but th- that's his best bet, to create leverage and to create a market for himself. It's hard to create a market for yourself when your overall market of the position you play is in the tank. You know what I mean? Like, that is hard to do, but that's his best bet. There are no flowery words that he could say. There's no threat. The only thing you can do is go out there and ball out. How can a running back generate leverage nowadays in the NFL? Like, it's, I don't know how. Like, you look at Barkley, he had no leverage. You look at Jacobs, he obviously has no leverage because there's no contract agreement right now between the Raiders and Josh Jacobs. And now you look at Jonathan Taylor, he has little to zero leverage as well because 
the the Colts can come right back and he's like, well, you're under contract for four years, so you you got to play this fourth year, and then we'll negotiate if we have to. Right. You're just hoping that th- all you can do is this, Eddie. You can control what you can control, and then you can also hope. Like, let's just say from Jonathan Taylor's point of view, he's got to go out there and just ball out. That's what he can control that would help him. And then you hope. You hope something works out well for the running back position as a whole. You hope that a big-name running back is a key part of a Super Bowl-winning team. You know what I mean? Like, just something. Something that changes the perception of that position in general in terms of dollars and cents. That's it. That, that that's really all you can do, and uh, that's that's not great. It doesn't make you sleep easy at night at all. I'm Brian. No, he's Eddie Garrison. It's ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan. We've got betting lines, Eddie. I know speaking your language over here. There are some betting numbers for Jonathan Taylor. His rushing yardage this year it's at twelve hundred point five. What do you think? 1,200.5 rushing yards. You on the over? If he's playing all 17, I think that's a smash over. I don't smash think smash over. I don't think it'll be close. Really? No. Look at I like to look at how things happened in previous stops. So, I was looking at Philly last season. Granted their offensive line is much better at least last year it was than the Indianapolis Colts. And Miles Sanders had just under 1300 yards rushing and he had about 260 carries he averaged 4.9 yards per carry if jonathan taylor is playing all 17 games and you have to add in the fact of anthony richardson possibly stealing some carries but also could improve the efficiency of jonathan taylor as well if he's touching the ball or the rock 280 290 times and he's averaging what 4.7 i think that's easy easy peasy easy peasy Okay. Now, we threw out our numbers. Was this yesterday? For yeah. Jonathan Taylor, rushing yards, his touchdowns. You got him at 1,300. Now, are you factoring in with that 1,300? Maybe he misses a game or two here or there. Is that the thinking? Yeah. I think, um, like last season, Taylor averaged 4.5 yards per carry, which was the lowest in his career. And... I don't know why it's at 1,200.5 on FanDuel. I think it's because the, the the market may think that, hey, the Colts are going to suck. I mean, six and a half wins is the win total. <laughs> and it's like, well, how much running are they going to do? But, like, you look at Atlanta last year, and they ran the ball a ton, and that kept them in the game. So, like, I could see a very similar blueprint for the Colts because yeah. if Anthony Richardson is out there at all 17 games, you would expect them, like James Boy said with us, what was that, Wednesday when we had James on? Um, he expects them to be a, a really run-heavy team like the old school days. So if that's the case, then I don't see why Jonathan Taylor isn't pushing 300 carries and why he doesn't eclipse 1,200 yards relatively easily. I like your comparison with the Falcons because think about Marcus Mariota. Not the world's greatest passing quarterback, you know? Uh, so Mariota started 13 games. You had Desmond Ritter with four games. And as a rookie... Desmond Ritter wasn't just slinging it all over the place, right? So that was a very, very heavy run-based team. And so if you compare the two-headed monster of Mariota and Desmond Ritter, I mean, that's not worlds apart from Anthony Richardson in his rookie season. He's not going to be just a seasoned, precision passer right out of the gate, you know? But 
He's able to run. He's able to put some stress on a defense similar to Mariota specifically because Mariota could run around pretty well. He's not a great passer. But you look, running the ball-wise, you had Tyler Algier. Was he a fifth-round rookie last year, Eddie? Yeah, to BYU. Yeah, he rushed for over 1,000 yards. Pretty good on only 210 attempts. He gave you 4.9 per carry. And that's on an offense that didn't didn't have like this threatening passing game. So if you relate that to the Colts and Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I like Jonathan Taylor even more as a talented back. So even if the passing game isn't opening things up for the running game, you can still have some success. You just got to absolutely commit to it. And yeah, I think they will this season. I mean, what's a realistic yards per game average do you think for Jonathan Taylor? Like, what would you put it at? I'll, it depends. I'm not evading your question, but it depends how many carries he has. Like, is the passing game doing something? I, I'll ballpark it. I think that JT could be in the ballpark of 4.5, hopefully north of that, maybe pushing it toward 4.7. You're really talking if you can get into that territory. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, because last year he averaged 4.5 year before that was 5.5 i think and then his rookie year he was just over five so like the efficiency has always been there for him the previous two years besides last year and of course the documented struggles with the offensive line was the main part and they did play a lot better in that final month of the regular season and i think the rushing numbers last season with zach moss dictate that and prove that the offensive line did play better and are going in the right direction now in connection to the offensive line that's where Jonathan Taylor is going to have to rely on some of that improvement in terms of efficiency because a lot of running backs are contingent in their success on how the offensive line performs okay now this is a tricky question because it depends on health but factor that in there as best you can Think about this. Tyler Algier. We'll do the Falcons-Colts side-by-side comparison. I like that a lot because, again, Falcons didn't have a you know a top passing attack. I doubt the Colts will either with A. Rich as a rookie. So I think it's a good comparison. Tyler Algier with 210 carries. Cordero Patterson with 144 carries last season. That's a lot. That's a lot for the guy. And then Mariota, he had 85 so let's break it down like this. How many carries do you think Zach Moss is going to get this season? If if Cordero Patterson got a buck 44, what do you think Moss might be this year? Well, it depends on the I it all depends on Jonathan Taylor and depends on how they view uh, the other running backs, because I think right now it's Evan Hull who's been the primary RB1, the guy they drafted in the sixth round out of Northwestern, and then it's been Deion Jackson involved a little bit as well. He had a nice couple plays today from what, I, from what I was able to gather on Twitter, and then you've got, or sorry, the X, as we're calling oh, it now. Yeah, it's not Twitter anymore. Throw it up. Throw up the X. And then it's been Zach Moss. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of which role is who, but if I had to ballpark it, if he's RB2, hmm. I'd say he's getting what? But about eight, ten carries a game, maybe if at most. So you're looking at what about a hundred? Yeah, like uh, roughly somewhere around five. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Here's a better question: How many rushing attempts for Anthony Richardson this season? Mariota had 85, and again, that's in 13 games. They made a switch to Desmond Ritter, and then Mariota just left the Falcons altogether. <laughs> just, like, just like, took his ball and went home. Right, but 85 carries for Mariota. 
who is, you know, I, I, I'm curious if Anthony Richardson is going to be that type of runner. You know, like the frequency of it, the way Mariota was last year with Anthony in his rookie season. But what do you think, man? Higher or lower? You know, like above or below 85 rushing attempts for Anthony Richardson this season. I would probably lean towards over 85 if he's the week one starter. Uh And my comparison here for Richardson is easy. It's Jalen Hurts. With because of the familiarity there with Shane Steichen and how Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator with Jalen Hurts. So you look at Jalen Hurts, he played in, a, let's go with 2021, because that was when he became the starter. Uh, 139 carries, and they just had really Dallas Goddard and uh, Devontae Smith as his main weapons, and they go out and get A.J. Brown, and they still had Miles Sanders. So, And they were primarily a run-first team in that 2021 season where they made the postseason, yet somehow he still eclipsed 3,000 passing yards, which is wild to think about. But, yeah, I would probably easily go with the over. I think he's going to average about 10 to 12, if that's my guess. Yeah. Um, Because I think what the Colts are going to end up doing, I don't think they're going to be – I don't know how their run scheme is going to work. I don't know if they're going to be a power run. That would be more my assumption just because of the sheer size and physicality that you can use with Anthony Richardson and and the way he runs himself. I don't think he's like a a Jalen Hurts or a Lamar Jackson where you can do a zone blocking system, like a zone run system, uh, and open up just craters like in the middle of the field like the Eagles did. You know, we're going to have some fun with this, Eddie. I am knee-deep into quarterbacks rushing attempts. <laughs> it's like, I, I find it pretty interesting. And there have been a couple of numbers I've just uh, ran across where I'm like, wow, really? W- whether they're a high total, a, a lower total. So, so we'll get you some uh, figures as far as that goes. Also this hour, the Big Ten schedule has been released on NBC. Some interesting stuff including uh, Purdue featured a couple of times. So we'll get you to that. Also, Eddie, I want you to be thinking about this. Um, the Colts, your top three with the most to prove, okay? The most to prove in 2023, not necessarily the most vital players or most valuable, anything like that. Like, Who has the most to prove? So I think that leans young, unproven, but not solely. So we'll get to that as well. I'm Brian No, He's Eddie Garrison. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No. He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan. Scale from 1 to 12. 1 to 12. From 1 to 10, where are you on Pitbull, Eddie? In terms of? In terms of how you like the guy. His music, his persona. I'd is that say, entertainment value? I'd say seven. Like, he's seven. not a guy I'm not actively going out. It's like, hey, he's not, uh, he's on my playlist or whatnot, or a guy like, hey, I got to listen to one of those songs. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, he can get a party going, that's for sure. He, he can. Does a very good job with that. You know? I'm not down on Pitbull. I like me some Mr. Worldwide. Not bad. Not bad. He definitely gets a party going. So, looking at these quarterback rushing numbers. Okay, now, I don't know the best way to do this because if I just start throwing numbers and numbers and you're going to be swimming in a sea of numbers and you're going to be like I don't remember any of those numbers (laughs) (laughs) so we've got five quarterbacks Eddie that had at least a hundred rushing attempts last season okay there's a couple of them are obvious Jalen Hurts led the entire league Jalen Hurts had 165 rushing attempts Justin Fields of the Bears, he had 160. Those are the top two quarterbacks in terms of rushing attempts. 
Then you get to Josh Allen, Daniel Jones of the Giants, and Lamar Jackson. Lamar had a buck 12. Those are your five quarterbacks that had at least 100 rushing attempts last season. Then you go down the list, and a couple of things stand out to me. Well, if you look at Trevor Lawrence with the Jags, 62 rushing attempts. You know, tastefully done, if you will. Patrick Mahomes, 61 rushing attempts. Justin Herbert of the Chargers, even fewer, 54. And so I think the question becomes this. How many rushing attempts would you like to see Anthony Richardson be around? Let's just say, to make this simple, he starts week one, he plays all 17, just to make it simple. I still don't think he starts week one, but put that to the side. He starts all 17 games. What would be a reasonable rushing attempts number where you as a Colts fan would say, I like it. He's not overdoing it. He's not overly putting himself in vulnerable positions. He's using some of his athleticism and what he brings to the table can put a lot of pressure on a defense. You just don't want to overdo it. What would be your number, Eddie? What would you throw out there to say, I hope he's around this number in terms of rushing attempts? Um, one, uh, let's say, let me do some quick math here. Uh-huh. Rendering. Yeah. Buffering. Um, I'd say, <laughs> man, that's, that's hard to predict because, like, you want to see him run it, like, 10 times a game, but that's 170 carries. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, no. So, like, if much. you go with eight, it's uh, about 140, and that just seems right. It just It's like, I don't know, between 140 and 170 would probably be the number, right? Because that's, like, you looked at Jalen Hurts, he was at 164, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, Jalen Hurts was at 165, and Justin he played. Fields, 160. Right, and they both played 15 games. Yeah, yeah, so he would have finished with, like, a, what, 180 probably if he yeah. played another two? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Man, in the 180s? Dude, like we're we're talking about running back wear and tear. Isn't that funny, right, Eddie? Think about it. Now, running backs don't slide the way quarterbacks slide, but quarterbacks don't slide all the time either. You know, sometimes they're taking bigger hits. It's just so funny. We've spent a lot of this offseason talking about, well, I mean, the wear and tear, the running back position, and these guys, they phase out real fast. And, and we're just glossing over the wear and tear on running quarterbacks who are not sliding and getting out of harm's way, right? Like, that can't be glossed over. So in terms of Anthony Richardson, preferably, I want him right at 100. I I really don't want him north of that. Because even Josh Allen of the Bills, that guy has been very successful running the ball, but he is an absolute risk taker. He is a crash test dummy out there. I know he's built like a tank, and thus far, he's largely avoided injuries, He's gotten nicked up here and there running it. I remember him getting knocked out of a game against the Patriots when he lowered his head and tried to bowl over a DB, and he was not knowing what stadium he was in after that, and he was out for the game. So he has gotten nicked up here and there, just nothing long-term. But Josh Allen had 124 carries last season, a buck 24 in 16 games. I I really don't want Anthony Richardson certainly above that. As far as my preference, some might disagree with that. Some might want to see him out there and they think he's built like a Greek god and he could take all the punishment in the world. I'm not one of those people, Eddie. I think it catches up with you at some point. 
Yeah, I I tend to agree with you in that aspect that it eventually will catch up with you. It's just like I don't know, a hundred is like a such a low number, and like he, that's the part of his game that makes him so fun to watch. Is like the ability of him to scramble and make plays with his legs. Like when you look at the highlights at Florida, some of his best highlights have him him running the football and like like you want to see that aspect in the game because it adds an el- another element or another dimension to the Colts offense that you need to have to help alleviate the pressure off of him as a passer so it's like 100 seems low 170 seems too much so I don't know like and that's a good question to ask because you can go back and forth with it pretty much all day and like how much you want to see him running the football but at the same time like how many hits is he taking at, at this at the cost Well, I hear you, and I think how matters. How is he running? You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between the way Lamar Jackson runs and the way Russell Wilson runs. For most of his career, I've always said Russell Wilson is a judicious runner of the football, where he gets what he can, and then he slides. He often avoids big hits. Now, last season, he smelled the goal line, had a longer run against the Chiefs, and got hit. And he was cross-eyed. Right? Like, like He's taking big shots, too. He doesn't always slide. Sometimes he does take risks. But his percentage of risk-taking runs is way lower than Lamar Jackson. So as it relates to Anthony Richardson, how is he running? Is he more like Russ and he gets what he can and then he slides and avoids punishment? Or is he a guy that's like, I'm 6'5". I, I'm bigger than this guy trying to tackle me. I could probably knock him over. Like, what's his mentality while running? That's a big deal. So, depending on that, I might want even less. If he's like a heat seeking missile, I want even fewer runs if that's the case. But if he's more of the judicious type, okay, you can add a few more carries there. It's just, you can't have a Lamar Jackson situation where he had 112 carries in 12 games. Like, there's a reason why Lamar is not lasting the entire year. And if you go back to the injuries, people will say, well, I mean, he he wasn't running. Yeah, he was. He was running out of the pocket. He was literally starting to run, and that's how he got nicked up both times. So I just think that you're taking a lot of chances if you're running repeatedly over and over and over again like that. I think when you watch his games last year at Florida, you don't see him actively scrambling he likes to stay in the pocket, and that's what Chris Fowler first said when you when he was asked about Anthony Richardson. It was poise. He he stays in the pocket. He just doesn't take off to take off. He'll stay in there and try to keep his eyes downfield and make as many plays as he possibly can with his arm. But I don't know. Like when you have an offensive line like the Colts that struggled a lot last year in pass protection, it that could really change a quarterback, especially a young quarterback because then they start getting frantic in the pocket. Next thing you know, they leave the pocket too early and don't let the play develop downfield. And next, and that leads to more hits that possibly could happen. I don't like, it is such an interesting and a teeter totter thing to do because you obviously want Anthony Richardson to run like we've been talking about, but the matter of which, and he's running is a good point to bring up too. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh <laughs> I had, I had gambling flashback right there while you were saying that Eddie, is uh, Sam Ellinger when he was starting. I'm pretty sure it was the Washington game. I'm checking just to make sure. But I had a prop bet that day. I took the over-rushing yardage for uh, Sam Ellinger, and he was not rushing, not rushing, not rushing. Toward the end of the game, he ran for like 20 yards, Eddie. 
holding penalty. Bring it back. (laughs) Typical. All game, I'm like, Sam, run. Run the ball. (laughs) That's your special. Run. Run like the wind, Sam. And Sam was like, nope, nope. I want to prove that I'm a passer first. And then he finally, toward the end of the game, he's like, you know what the heck? I'm running. Holding penalty. And it was one of those... This is going to sound like uh, Homer logic based on my bet, Eddie. And it's not like I had a fortune on it, but I want to win every bet. Um, It was one of those plays where Sam had left the pocket. He's downfield. And it's like on the other side, well away from the play. Oh, that's my favorite. Holding. I'm like, why? (laughs) He must have had the under. I don't know. I, I probably shouldn't say Maybe that. he had like the Colts team age. total or something. I don't know. The under there. I don't know. It's the Tim Donaghy of NFL officials. Like holding. Bring it back. Ah, oh, that's brutal. All right, we got a lot to do over here. Coming up next, your list of the three Colts players this season that have the most to prove. I think number one is easy. When you get to two and three, We could have a discussion on our hands here. We'll see how it plays out. I'm Brian No. He's Eddie Garrison. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No. He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan today. So, um, most to prove. If you look at this Colts roster in 2023, who are your top three? Most to prove here, Eddie. I think um, top spot, we might be in agreement. It's got to be Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, the guy didn't have much seasoning in college. He's a top five pick. Uh, what? It, how much is resting on his shoulders if he's not only the guy this season but showing signs to be a franchise quarterback for hopefully the next 10, 15 years? Like, he's easily got the most to prove. See, this is where I, uh, I'm actually going to differ. Wow, okay, all right. Who's your number one guy? I'm going with Shaq Leonard as number one. Wow, number one? Yes. I want to hear the reasoning. All right, so he's coming off the two back surgeries from last season. So, And that was a big part of the reason the defense kind of struggled last year. They didn't have him... On the field as their, you know, their one of their best defensive players. He didn't, he wasn't out there forcing turnovers, and that's where the defense was missing him the most. And his energy and his leadership and his presence on the field, I think, was truly invaluably missed last year. Sure, you got some great play out of Zaire Franklin uh, and Bobby Okereke last year, but neither one of those guys don't compare to Shaq Leonard and the amount of impact he's uh, he can have on a football game on that side of the field or on that side of the ball, I should say. So that's part of the reason. Secondly here, he has an out after the 2023 season in his contract. And it would only leave $8 million in terms of dead cap. So if he does not come back and bounce back in a way that he has to, financially speaking, the Colts could cut ties with him. And next thing you know, he's off the books. Okay, you got him number one. We'll just compare notes over here. So number two on my list, most to prove, I'm going Juju. Give me Juju Brents. When you are a second round, most likely starting corner, to make that leap. I mean, just think about this with who you're facing. And like some of these dudes like you know, Jacksonville, are you matched up on Calvin Ridley or Christian Kirk? Um, you just start going down the 
the list over here, they've got Tampa on the schedule. You might be matched up on Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You know, like they've got the Bengals on the the on the uh, schedule here. We all know about their credentials with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Like when you're going from college at Kansas State to this level in the NFL, and you're going to be on an island sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would have Juju Brents on the list. Can he? hit the ground running. We always talk about quarterback and what's Anthony Richardson going to do, but cornerback in this league, it's a passing league. So to be a rookie corner and you're out there as a starter, I would have him number two on my list most approved. He didn't make my three, but that's a good honorable mention (laughs) in my opinion. Um, So number two for me. We have the yin and the yang going on here with our two lists. Because I don't have Shaq Leonard on my top three either. But okay, who do you have number two on yours? I I understand the reasoning behind Juju Brents. My reasoning is because you have him for four years. So I, I don't think you're expecting a lot from him in rookie season. Number one, like it's the hardest year unless you're... Tariq Woolen for Seattle, where you can just step in and have an immediate role and be an All-Pro type corner. Uh, to me, number sauce two, yep, yep, and Sauce, but he yeah. was, you know, he was what top five pick. Yeah, right? oh yeah, he was tremendous last yeah. season. And he's a, so Juju's a second round pick. Yes, you're expecting some things from him, but um, I don't think you're willingly going to be out there every Sunday watching him specifically. Um, so number two for me, I would put Anthony Richardson here because. I don't know. I don't put him number one simply because I don't have the expectation that this is a make or break season for him. Like he can have a down year, but as long as he shows flashes, I think it's a successful season. And as long as he improves week to week, I'm fine with Anthony Richardson being around for another year. And like he he'll have to prove more to me year number two with the current circumstances that he's dealing with. Possibly no Jonathan Taylor, the only real wide receiver that teams have to really threaten around right now is Michael Pittman Jr. Alec Pierce did have moments last year. He has to take a second. Uh, He's got to take a sophomore improvement season, so that's why I've got Anthony Richardson at number two here. Okay, for number three, a bit of a curveball maybe, but I think it's Jonathan Taylor. And look, I know his credentials. I know his first two seasons. I know his second season, over 1,800 yards rushing. He was fantastic. 20 total touchdowns. Just had the ankle injury issues last year, but it's more about his position than it is his resume. Where you think about having to prove yourself, the running back position, goodness, that that's the textbook position for having to prove your worth to hopefully put yourself in a position for a legitimate payday, you know? And so can he come back from injury? Can he show that, the wear and tear isn't starting to take its toll, not only with the Colts and the overall touches, but going back to his days at Wisconsin. So I think that he's got to be able to prove a few things. Can he bounce back? Can he have a monster season off an injury-plagued year? Can he revert back to his 2021 form and put up big numbers? Can he prove that the Colts need him long-term? Like, not just the franchise tag, a la Saquon and Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs. Can he put himself in a position where the Colts say, we have to have this guy. He compliments Anthony Richardson so well. Let's just commit to the guy instead of franchising him and then probably not having him pass that season. I think it's a huge year for him. And although he's proven a lot, I think mostly based on the position he plays, he's number three on my list most approved for the Colts. 
Number three gets a little challenging for me because I can go a couple different routes. I could go with Quiddy Pay at defensive end because he's entering a year in which he's a first-round pick, so this is year three, and after this season, the Colts will have to make a determination if they want to pick up that fifth-year option. So that's mm-hmm. part of the reason for me here with Quiddy Pay at number three. Yep. The other one that I'm going to go with here at number three is Bernard Ryman. Uh, the left tackle for the Colts entering year number two, he showed flashes last year down the stretch that he was able to improve. Now, all reports so far is that he's added 15 pounds. He looks a lot better. He looks more like a left tackle and that he's got the skills to be a left tackle for the Colts. So that's why I've got him at number three, because you have to find a left tackle to support your quarterback, especially from the from the blind spot, because right now all the NFL wants to pay are quarterbacks, wide receivers, left tackles, edge rushers and corners. Yeah, I mean, those are the premium positions. I like that selection. That's that's one of those selections where it just boosts your own stock. You know what I mean? It's like, and I'm not saying it's ulterior motives over here, but if you say, you know, number three on my list of most approved for the Colts, Bernard Ryman, and then you eloquently throw out the reasons why, it just seems like you're studying game film every Wednesday night. At a bare minimum. You know what I mean? It, it mm-hmm. feels like you're that knee deep into the Colts right there, Eddie. I like that selection by you. Not bad. Yeah, if Anthony Richardson was the fourth overall pick with as many questions as he had coming into the pre-draft process, he probably would have been left off my list and I would have put Quiddy Pay on there. But uh, with just how you invested in him with a fourth overall selection, uh, that's why I have to include him on the list considering all the, the nuances that come with that position and where he's at right now. More to prove from Shaq Leonard in your mind than Anthony Richardson, huh? Yep. Indeed. I think you are a crazy person right now. We're going to see if Kevin Bowen thinks you're crazy or not. You know, KB joins us right around the corner. Who does he think has the most to prove with the Colts this year? His top three. Curious what he'll have to say about that. I'm Brian No, He's Eddie Garrison. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Brian No. He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan. I want to welcome in KB, Mr. Kevin Bowen. Kevin and Query, mornings here on The Fan, joins us. KB, here you are at the State Fair this morning. Did you indulge in anything that's, like, very unhealthy but completely delicious? Well, I don't know if I've ever had a grilled cheese before 8 a.m., but I had one this morning. <laughs> um, so that I consumed, and it sat in my tummy, and it was absolutely delicious. I was hoping to get one of their mint milkshakes with Girl Scout cookie crumble on the milkshake, but then all of a sudden the sky started erupting. So Mm. we had to uh, head inside around 8.30. But, I mean, if you're going to the state fair, you just got to fast for 48 hours. You got to fast for 48 hours. Um, You've got to make sure that you're ready to eat because uh, diet has not been a word ever uttered at any state fair. Now, do you go ham and tomato ever on your grilled cheese there, KB? Uh, I do not. I will fully admit that my palate is probably not the most extensive. Um, I will say, though, we had a pop quiz caller today say that he rocks a little Texas toast. Um, is it Colby Jack, maybe? Texas toast, Colby Jack, and pepperoni. Oh, wow. On 
the grilled cheese, which I was like, I'm a fan of that. So shout out, I think his name is Matt. Shout out to Matt on the pop <laughs> quiz there. But the big grilled cheese this year, their 2023 featured item, has got sourdough, which I love, sourdough bread, provolone, and then a little uh, Italian basil. Um, I am a. I will definitely be making a, a second trip down there to consume that. I talked to a guy the other day here on The Fan from Cincinnati, and he said they get down with a glazed donut that they basically use as the bun of a grilled cheese sandwich. Would you be up for something like that? Well, you know, I'm cardiologist on line one. It's probably my first thought with that. I I, kind of like my sweets as sweets, and I like my other, you know, I, I... I'm all for craziness, you know, and, and throw it at me, but I, I like to kind of treat the donut like the sweet and the um, dessert that it is. I don't know if I want to, not that the grilled cheese is some, you know, food pyramid item that they teach you in second grade as you should consume like none other, but I'd like to keep those separate if I could, to be honest with you. No, I hear you on that. No, uh, if we shift to Colts practice today, you were out there. Now, first thing is, did everything from the fair sit well while you're at practice, and then once you were out at practice, what were your main observations? Well, I think you can be vulnerable and you can be upfront and honest with our listeners here. I did need to go to the restroom, you know, about <laughs> midway through through Colts practice. But, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll toss out there. It wasn't, you know, the type of restroom trip I think a lot of people would have would have assumed. So everything's good and well. Okay, uh, good. On that end, but granted the day is young. Um so, yeah, what were my impressions of Colts practice? Anthony Richardson, all, all 15 starting reps. You know, I think that was – that's the daily question I think we have of just, okay, what and how is the quarterback situation being handled and how are those reps being divided up? And Minshew took all 15 on Wednesday, day two. It was Richardson's day. And so all 15 went to the rookie. What do you think about that, KB? I get it. The Colts are just trying to figure out who's going to be the week one guy. Would you like to see something in place as soon as possible where if they're committing to, say, Anthony Richardson in week one, I'd want to see him get all those first-team reps. I have no issue with where it is right now, but what would be your ideal timetable as they're trying to piece it together? Yeah, you know, it's honestly something Eddie and I were talking about. Um, a little bit early in the week on our podcast, I basically said when you get to, well, I guess it would have been, if, if you look at the training camp schedule, next week they go, or I guess let's just start tomorrow. Tomorrow's a night practice. Then they go Monday, Tuesday, and then off day Wednesday, and then they practice Thursday. Those two middle-of-the-week practices next week, Tuesday and Thursday, those are the two days where I start really, really watching it. And Because and, now at that point, you're like, nine days out from your first preseason game. So I think that's when you start to kind of trend into a, does it continue to flip-flop every single day? Like, you know, seemingly the first two days have been here. Or do you start to see one of the two get, you know, three straight days of work? And that was a question I had for Shane Second on day one. You know, how do you want to handle this? Do you want to handle it every other period in practice? Do you want to handle it every other day? Do you want to go with Minshew two days and then Richardson two days? Or And right now... He seems to be in the every-other-day camp. So I think by us talking next Friday, I, I would think, uh, I guess there's no practice Friday, but we'll have seen four more practices between now and Friday. 
I would like to think at that point, you know, eight days away from that preseason opener in Buffalo, I would think you'd see some sort of separation. He's Kevin Bowen joining us here on The Fan. One of my buddies was out at, at camp the other day, and he said the first incompletion from Minshew, booze. Booze raining down. <laughs> like, <laughs> What do you make of that? You know, uh, Anthony Richardson completed a check down to Evan Hull to start practice on Wednesday, and you would have thought Peyton Manning had just ran naked across the football field. <laughs> I mean, it was like I, I, I was I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And it, look, I, I, I get it you know, to a degree. Uh, it was a massive crowd at practice on Wednesday, easily the biggest I've seen in my now 13th training camp covering the Colts. Uh, I've not seen an opening day crowd look like that. So. Clearly, the obsession with Anthony Richardson is alive and well. Um, and today, you know, for the 750 fans that got to go inside, they got to see a, a glimpse and a flash of, you know, why the Colts drafted him. It was a seven-on-seven rep, so you have to throw that in there because there's no pass rush, of course, in that seven-on-seven. And, you know, Richardson turned into a bit of a scramble drill, and Alex Pierce sees that and goes deep, and Richardson just uncorks about a, I don't know, 50-yard ball probably in the air. Uh, right to Pierce for the touchdown, and obviously the crowd erupted at, as you would expect. And, you know, those are the things that he brings to the table that Gardner Minshew just does not. Now, what does Minshew bring to the table? He brings consistency. He brings six straight completions to end today's practice. I want to say he's 11 of 14 through the first two days. So you know, he offers a little bit more singles, occasional double. Richardson probably offers a little bit more occasional triple home run. How about we were looking at the uh, quarterback rushing numbers from last season, like overall attempts, and uh, there were five guys that had at least 100 rushing attempts that are quarterbacks last season. And I started looking through the list, and I, I was, I was uh, relating it to Anthony Richardson and how many rushing attempts would you like to see from the guy? At least a range, right? Because we understand some things vary and some things matter. Like, how does he run? Is he sliding? Is he trying to bowl over the strong safety? Like, that matters. But ideally, if he's starting all 17, let's just make it simple, what would be the range of carries that you would like to see from Anthony Richardson in his rookie season? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think I'd like to see many more than like a handful to seven a game. And that's a little bit like selfish on my behalf because I want to see him as a thrower. Like that's the part of the game that has to develop. I, I know he's a gifted runner. I mean, you know, you can watch him in training camp and see that. And he just he has a gifted ability to, you know, and this doesn't show up in the box score, but obviously, you know, this, Brian, like oftentimes guys that have great ability with their legs it's not the sheer number of attempts. It's plays you can keep alive. It's okay today, that seven-on-seven play I was talking about, it's the ability to get out of the pocket, keep something alive, and now all of a sudden that cornerback has gone from defending you know, his wide out for three seconds to six seconds. And does that lead to a big play? So, again, I would say kind of in the five to seven range, certainly when you watch Richardson in practice versus Minshew, there are very specific plays in there for Richardson and his leg element. I do think something to point out about him, and I go back to the draft, and it was something Chris Ballard mentioned right away after the draft pick, and it was something that DeForest Buckner mentioned when he was on with us on Tuesday. Richardson is a very gifted runner, but when things begin to bog down around him in a pocket, he is not a deer in the headlights, eyes go down immediately, I look to run, which I think is an important quality to have. Um, 
and, and you know, when you go back to the draft and what did Ballard say right after the pick? I mean, sure, the physical traits were discussed, certainly, but it was poise and it was pocket presence. So those are probably areas of his game that you want to, again, see on display on NFL Sundays, and I would like to see, you know, just a little bit more of a thrower out of him. And I don't think he's going to be a guy that, frankly, I don't think you'd want him to be running at 10, 12 times a game just out of, you know, wear and tear. And then again, also, if you're going to play him, you want to see development as a thrower. I'll spare you all of the reasoning why, but Eddie and I were throwing around our lists of Colts players with the most to prove this season, just our top three. I went with Anthony Richardson, one, Juju Brents, two, Jonathan Taylor, three, mainly based on the position that he plays. Uh, Eddie went with Shaq Leonard, one, Richardson, two, Bernard Ryman, three. So just as that being a backdrop, what would be your top three Colts with the most to prove in 2023? Boy, I am now thinking of like the article that I wrote, which is, you know, (laughs) I did did a top five list a few weeks ago on which Colts have the most to prove. Um, I I believe number one on the list, I think I just grouped the veteran offensive linemen together because I would make the argument there was no position group in the NFL that underperformed more last season in the Colts offensive line, given the contractual amounts of Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, and Braden Smith, and then also just given the level of play that those three have reached. Um, so I'd start there. I, I'd put Leonard very, very high on the list. I'd put Kenny Moore very high on the list. I think individually, considering he was a bit public in his contract issues last spring, I would put him pretty high on the list. And then I think next you you would get into the guys that are dealing with contract situations, and that would be Michael Pittman, and that would be Jonathan Taylor. You could make the argument Pittman has to prove that he's a legit number one in this league. Taylor, I don't think, has to prove that he's anything as a running back. It's just the old running back elephant in the room. I I understand putting Richardson on there. I understand putting Juju Brents on there. But I kind of just give a little bit of a longer leash to young guys in the league, particularly Richardson when he has 13 starts. Um I, yeah, I mean, obviously a quarterback belongs on the list, and a young quarterback always has something to prove, but I don't think anyone is sitting here expecting Richardson to go 65% and 32 touchdowns and 12 picks. Um, so that's why I probably gave a little bit of a longer leash to him and put a little bit more of a veteran focus with my picks. What's your reasoning on Shaq Leonard? Is it mainly just injury-related, being you know durable for the entire season, that type of thing? Yeah, I think it's so much health-related. Um, you know, when you've missed the amount of time that he has missed lately, you've had the amount of surgeries that he's had. And, again, he, he looked like a liability. I think he would admit that when he was on the field last season. Plus, if you look kind of deep into that contract, I believe he's got two more years on it after this year. But he's got a big out. The Colts could get out of that contract with a far less cap hit this after this season than they could have in previous seasons. So, you know, you haven't seen as much of it here, but you oftentimes see that around the NFL where, you know, teams kind of get out of veteran contracts right around that late 20, early 30 sort of window here. And so I think from that aspect of it, uh, Leonard Wood would fall into that group. Okay, man. So uh, what's the weekend looking like for UKB? More junk food or are we, uh, we going to do a cleanse after the fair here? Well, I'll be honest with you. I was a little disappointed by the indoor practice there from the Colts because I treat the outdoor practices as my workouts right now, just standing on the sideline and just sweating in this, you know, whatever, 95-degree heat. So tomorrow night's practice, 
My goal is to sweat off the grilled cheese. Outside of that, a little family time on Sunday. Um, nothing too crazy. Yeah, we don't we don't have anything too 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 crazy planned. Hey man, I hope it's great. Like lack of crazy, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I hope the lack of crazy goes very well for you, KB. And I'll catch up with you soon, man. Have a good weekend. All right, thanks, boys. I appreciate it. All right, KB. There he is, Kevin Bowen. Kevin and Query, mornings here on the fan. Catch him. They're talking grilled cheese this morning, it sounds like, Eddie. That's great. I do like ham on my grilled cheese. I will give you that. I haven't dabbled with tomato. Oh, man, you got to go tomato and ham. Now, that is just an outstanding combination right there. Now, let me ask you, have you ever dabbled with grilled cheese and ketchup? I have not. Okay. I have not. And it's funny, good timing by you, because Patrick Mahomes was just featured on a Subway commercial as you were saying that. And, of course, he's famous for putting ketchup on his steak. Have you ever even thought about doing something like that? No, I don't even use steak sauce on my steak. You know what? One of my buddies, he lives in uh, in Indianapolis. My guy, Josh Stone King. He's a chef. He knows what he's doing. He's actually been a personal chef for some of the players around town, like the Colts, Pacers. But anyway, he takes it as, you know, slapping him in the face if you dare put steak sauce on a steak that he has prepared. And I'm like... Why would you think of it like that? I don't understand, Eddie, where... Side rant, right? Like, mini soapbox. If you put, whatever, ketchup on your fries, or you put barbecue sauce on your chicken, like, why is that totally fine to be expected? But if you dare put steak sauce on a steak, that is, you just said something horrible about my mom if you're a chef. That's how chefs take it. It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't agree with that at all. I, I'm right there with you. Like I don't like it's the weird it's the weird condiments for me that that people use like the st- the ketchup on steak. Like I don't understand how people come up with that. Like it's normal to use like barbecue sauce on chicken, barbecue sauce on like your burger if you wanted that route. But like ketchup on steak, I just don't get it. I don't get it either. Like or it's like mayo in your coffee. Well, that's crazy. That's just insane. And we know Will the Thrill Levis is still destined for greatness in the NFL, <laughs> but the food choices, I'm not too sure about that. Um, okay, so I want to circle back to most approve the young guys here, because I think there are two schools of thought. And so you, Eddie, and KB, you're looking at the young guys, say, Quentin, uh, uh, Anthony Richardson. I just went clippers on you with Quentin Richardson. Uh, with Anthony Richardson, uh, A. Rich, top five rookie, you know, Juju Brents, second round corner. I'm not expecting those guys to be finished products. I want to make that completely clear. And I totally understand KB saying he's giving those guys a longer leash in terms of what's to be expected of them. Totally fair. But I think this is where we can look at things two different ways, and it both makes sense. Where you could say on one hand, they're rookies. I'm not expecting them to be top 10 among the league leaders. That's true. Neither am I. But I look at it where it's, Those guys are playing premium positions, quarterback, cornerback. And while I'm not expecting finished product, big-time success, I want to see, can you show that you belong? Can you show that you could be an asset going forward? Can you show that you're good enough and productive enough where 
it isn't like this hole in the boat <laughs> as we're trying to stay afloat here. You know what I mean? Like, can you prove that? So I think that that matters a ton. I have, I have those guys way ahead of a guy like Shaq Leonard, who I get it from a durability standpoint, from an injury standpoint. There are questions because he's had multiple surgeries. We don't know if he can stay upright again for an entire season. There are legitimate reasons to say he's got something to prove. But for a guy who's proven that he more than belongs in the NFL, when healthy, he's one of the better linebackers in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. I just look at it, the young guys. I look at it differently where, hey, can the young guys show, like, you got game, you belong on this level, and you can thrive maybe in the future, but you have the ability, you can show glimpses of that ability going forward. That's why I have the young guys higher on my list. I like what you're saying about with Shaq. Like, yes, that's true. But at the same time, there's the big question of like, can he get back to where he was at? Can he get back to being the a top linebacker in the in the NFL? I mean, it's remained to be seen. So that's why he's on my list. I, I also understand both of your assessment, like yours and Kevin's, about Juju Brents and the young guys, because that's the way I was going with my belief there too. Is those guys have a little bit longer of a leash to prove that they belong. Uh, and let's face it, I mean, the Colts are not going to be winning a Super Bowl this year or maybe next year because it's all contingent on the development of the quarterback. That's all it is. Put it this way, Eddie. Think about it from an opposing coordinator's point of view. Okay? If you're an offensive coordinator, are you sitting there saying, let's run the ball at Shaq? Let's make him prove that he can stop the running game. Or, like, let's put him in coverage. Let's prove, make him prove that he can stay with a running back or a tight end, right? Like, or, or are you saying, hey, let's target Juju Brents, the rookie, and see if he can cover Jamar Chase or T. Higgins for, for 60 minutes? You know what I mean? Or with Anthony Richardson, we talked about this. If you're a defensive coordinator, bro, I am loading the box. I've got eight man, eight men consistently in the box trying to slow down Jonathan Taylor and making Anthony Richardson prove that he can consistently pick my defense apart. That's where I look at it. Where if you're looking at it from the other sideline and from an opposing coordinator's point of view, who are you targeting? Who are you looking at? And so that's where the young guys, I mean, that's the way D coordinators, O coordinators are going to think. Mm-hmm. For them to prove that they belong, you're going to see that play out time and time again this season. The lens I went through is through like the front office lens and like looking at it like long term, not just like this year, but a little bit down the line because I don't think you're going to quit on Juju Brents after one year. Let's say he has a bad year. It's like, okay, now you've, because you have to keep this in the back of your mind as well. Juju Brents hasn't been able to participate in any of the practices thus far with the Indianapolis Colts leading up to training camp. He hasn't even I don't think I don't think he's practiced yet with the Colts even in training camp because he's dealing with a, a, a wrist problem from his days at Kansas State. Like he didn't go through the combine at all. So it's like we haven't seen Juju Brents at all. So I think the leash on him is going to be a little bit, little bit longer because he hasn't had that offseason yet to prepare for the NFL. Yeah, and that's what's interesting, man, is I don't think it's right or wrong. Like, you bring up good points. KB brings up good points. It's just looking at it differently where I say with Juju having some injury issues and, yeah, you're right, the leash might be longer, the expectations might be a bit more reasonable or lower 
depending on your word choice, right? But I look at it and say, that makes it even tougher that you don't have a full camp. You can't ease in. It's I look at it like a treadmill, okay? Juju Brents is trying to jump on the treadmill. And so if he's there for camp, if he's there for preseason, if he's there for reps and reps, that helps him work up to speed. You know, if you put the speed at 10, like that, that's you're moving. You're going pretty fast. So if he's easing in, like he, he puts it at two and starts walking a little bit, he puts it up to five and there's a light, light jog and then he eases it up to 10. That's easier than if he's missing time, if he's got an injury here, if he's bruised there. On top of being a rookie, that's like jogging at six and then trying to ramp up to 10. I think that's a lot harder. And yeah, it is a lot harder for sure. Like, because it's hard for anyone to just go from the sidelines to right on the field as a rookie, right. especially at that position. So that's where I tend to give him a longer leash. It's like he's going to have a lot of learning moments because he's going to have a lot of battles this year. I mean, you're going to face DeAndre Hopkins twice this season in the AFC South. You'll face Calvin Ridley. Wow. You'll face Jamar Chase. You'll face T. Higgins. You'll face uh, Devontae Adams because I think the Colts and Raiders play this year. So, I mean, there's going to be a, a long list of, of wide receivers that he'll have a test against every week. Man, yeah, wow. That's why it doesn't even sound right. He's got to face DeAndre Hopkins twice a year with the Titans. I'm still getting used to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to also the rushing attempts. I love this. We've been talking about rushing attempts for quarterbacks. We threw out some numbers from last season where you would like to see Anthony Richardson in terms of rushing attempts this year for the Colts. And uh, KB threw it out there. I thought it was reasonable. He said between five and seven per game. Think about this, Eddie. If Anthony Richardson carries it five times per game, let's say he's there for all 17. Let's just say that to make it simple. That's 85 carries. If it's just seven Which carries a game. Which is lower than your 100 that you wanted to see. That's right. That's right. If it's seven carries per game, which again is not like automatically just maxing a guy out, but that's 119 carries a game. Just seven. It's just math, right? It seems yep. way higher. Because I don't know about you, Eddie. I'm thinking, okay, there was a, a sneak here. There was a scramble there. You, you get to five or six pretty easily, depending on the quarterback, if he's prone to tucking it or keeping plays alive, that sort of thing. But, man, you get to seven on average per game, that's 119 over the course of a season. That's a lot. I know. It's, it's such a fascinating thing to think about because you have to factor in so much like designed runs, RPOs, those those sneaks that Philly did last year. I wonder if Shane Steichen brings that over here to Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson. And then you have to also factor in the scrambles. You have to factor in any kneel downs as well. Yeah. Granted, you, know, you may not have many of those, but still, it's something you have to factor. You know, it's kind of crazy, too. Here's some fun with numbers. I'm looking at the quarterback rushing attempts from last year. And so Jalen Hurts, if you compare him to Josh Allen, so Jalen Hurts of the Eagles, he had 41 more carries than Bills quarterback Josh Allen and two fewer yards. (laughs) Josh Allen with 41 fewer attempts, he had two more yards rushing than Jalen Hurts. Now, if you compare... Josh Allen to Lamar Jackson. Uh, Josh Allen had 12 more attempts rushing than Lamar, and Lamar had two more yards rushing. So it's just funny how 
You know, the attempts versus the amount of rushing yards. Lamar Jackson still at the top of the list in terms of yards per carry among quarterbacks. But um, that, that's also the good and the bad where it can lead to injury as well. So the numbers are great. The production is great until he's on the sideline in, you know, normal civilian clothes. That, that's, not, that's not where you want to be. Yeah, and it's like, how many hits is he taking? Like, is yeah. he getting down? Is he sliding? Is he no, no, no. going out of bounds? Lamar is like, slide? Slide. Slide. What? Slide. <laughs> and you go back years ago. Remember in the preseason? Yep. Where uh, he met at midfield with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers was like, slide. <laughs> Get down, man. You're yep. so talented. Just remain upright. Uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this year. A couple others real fast here. How about some guys that are running a lot less? Dak Prescott. So Dak played 12 games last season, 45 rushing attempts, Eddie. That's not a lot at all. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers only had 34 rushing attempts in a full 17-game season. Same number as Ryan Tannehill, 34 rushing attempts. Tannehill only played 12 games, but only 34 for a guy that can move around pretty well. Uh, so the way it varies from QB to QB stylistically and habitually, too, we're getting crazy over here, but a guy like Patrick Mahomes, only 61 rushing attempts last season as a young guy. That's the thing, Eddie, is ideally you want to see a quarterback style translate to old, you know? And Patrick Mahomes being as young as he is, he can still move around really, really well. But he's already proving that he's a dude that's going to be a monster even when he's much older. You know, some of these QBs, Lamar is inconsistent. Now, what happens when he's not the rushing threat that he is right now? Right? Like, you got to ask yourself that, how it projects over the long haul, not just the here and now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, like, a guy you also have to look at for the future, Justin Fields. Like, he lit the world on fire last year with his running ability and rushed over... A thousand yards, but how long can he hold that? Right, and that's where I say, Eddie, listen, I'm not against running quarterbacks. I'm not against extending plays. and My whole thing is just try to lessen the punishment. You know, get what you can and get down because job number one is remain upright. But I've always maintained you got to make your money throwing the ball. And, and don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you can't run. Like, go ahead, run. Knock yourself out. Just not literally out of the game. Like, slide. But the way to uh, give yourself a better chance to remain upright in a particular season or over the long haul is throwing the football. That's the way the rules are set up. Goodness, I lost a sack bet with Chris Jones, the Giants defensive tackle, Eddie, when he caressed Derek Carr to the ground. You know, like ha, sacking yes. him. Yes. They said it was a body weight thing when it totally wasn't. And they called a penalty, no sack. It was wiped out. Like, compare that to a quarterback running in the open field. Those guys can get just clobbered. It, no penalties, none. So I, I think you got to make your living throwing the football. Sprinkle in the running, but if you're relying heavily on that, I think it catches up with you. I think it's being reckless at the poker table, Eddie. Well-timed aggression. You can't be aggressive all the time. It's the same with running as a quarterback. If you're aggressive running all the time, you're not going to last. Not going to happen. What does Shane, St- 
Steichen stay, uh, Shane Steichen say in his uh, introductory press conference, you throw to score points, you run to win games. Hmm. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I, I, there are plenty of times you run, get injured, and that leads to losing lots of games. Just ask the Ravens the last couple of seasons. True. You know. All right, coming up next, are you a fan of 7-Up Soda there, Eddie? You a fan of 7-Up? Um, kind of. You like Sprite more than 7-Up? I'm not really a serum Sprite story guy. What kind of soda are you? Um, Probably zero sugar, so... Coke or the the Sierra Mist, the Fanta. Okay, little fa- uh, Fanta. Fanta if I had to choose one, the root beer. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, all that to say, we're going to play a little game called Seven Up NFL style. We'll have some fun with that around the corner. I'm Brian. No, he's Eddie Garrison. It's ninety three five and one zero seven five. The Fan. I'm Brian. No, he's Eddie Garrison here on the Fan. So Eddie, we've seen. History show us that we're going to have seven new playoff teams this upcoming season, right? Of the 14 from last season, recent history shows that seven of those teams will be out. We'll We'll get to the out list in a little while, but let's look at the in list. Seven up, right? The seven new teams that step up, make it to the playoffs here. Now, before we get into that, think about this for a second, because... I mean, going back to last season just shows how crazy things can get in the NFL. Where you had the defending Super Bowl champion Rams. You had the Packers who were a one seed, right? And then you had Tampa, still with Tom Brady, who lost a really close game in the playoffs to the eventual Super Bowl champion Rams. So you had Tampa Bay, Green Bay, the Rams. If you would have said, you know what? All of those teams are going to have a losing record. If you said that before the season, people would look at you like you were out of your mind. And that's exactly what happened. You know, if you said, oh, the defending champion Rams, they're going to be like 5-12. and 12. <laughs> People would have laughed at you. That's exactly what happened. So crazy stuff happens in the NFL. With that being said, if we're looking at the teams that were on the outside of the playoffs looking in, who are the seven teams that you're going to target circle and say, this team's going to be into the playoffs. Let's start with the AFC here, Eddie. Right? If you look at the teams that didn't get their way in, I got nine teams in each conference, right? So you just, let's go rapid fire here. Uh, Patriots, are they up? Seven up? Are they into the playoffs this year? I'm going no. No. Okay. Jets, do they make it in with Rodgers? Yes. Okay, all right, I'm keeping track of it. We've got to get to seven collectively. Oh, boy. Okay, so the Jets, we say, are in. Okay, the Steelers with Kenny Pickett, that's a tough division. I think they're going to be around where they were last season, around an 8-9, and 9-8 and eight team. I go no. Mm, this is where I get caught up because I think Kenny Pickett will take a step forward. Yeah. But is there going to be enough – help from other teams and other divisions that's the big question because they're probably the they are the third best team in their division so they're going to need uh the afc east to just uh kill each other out 
in order for them to make it in. So I'm going to go with no. No. No on the Steelers. The Browns. Huh? Sneaky, sneaky, dark horse of a team. And think about this, too, how quickly things can change in the NFL, especially. Joe Burrow was limping around with the calf injury. Now, it's not looked at as to be serious, but it's just something like that where all of a sudden – Hey, Burrow's out for extended time. Boom, Brown's in. It can happen that fast. I think with Deshaun Watson there, I know he's a creep off the field, but I think that he starts to come back to his his previous play when he was at his peak with the Texans. That's a, a talented roster. They made some defensive upgrades as well. I'm going to go, yes, the Browns get in. You think that's crazy? No. I don't think it's crazy because you have to expect Deshaun Watson to play closer to where he was than what he did last year. Yeah. Okay, how about this? Go ahead. So I would say yes. I would say yes to Cleveland as well. How about AFC South? Let's just check these off. Texans? Way no. Oh, come on. Really? No, no, no. I was kidding. Colts? No. Oh, wow. That's hard to hit the ground running with the rookie quarterback. Titans? Could the Titans sneak in there? Yes. Absolutely they could. Are you going to say they will? Yes. I am too. I would you like to know why? I would love to. Will the thrill, week nine? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The addition of DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is going to help immensely on that offense, and I think it's going to help Traylon Burks, and I think it's going to help Derrick Henry. Surely it will help Ryan Tannehill as well. On the defense, though, they get a couple players back, especially up front. Sorry. Um... (laughs) <laughs> had a gulp there for a second. Um, <laughs> I think they're going to get healthy. And plus, like we've talked about with the Colts, a relatively easy schedule. You play the NFC South. So you have the Titans. You have the uh, – you know, well, obviously, you can't play yourself. You have the Saints. Uh, you also have the Falcons, the Panthers. You're in the AFC South. But the tricky part here is those fringe games. Can they defeat – the Chargers? Can they go on the road and defeat the Browns? Can they pull off a win against Cincinnati or Baltimore uh, or Pittsburgh on the road? So, And there's Tampa Bay on their schedule as well. So I would say yes because they're always a fundamentally sound team that doesn't get in their own way and find ways to win. Okay, now uh, the rest of the AFC Raiders, way no. no Negatory. Way. No. Broncos? No. I'm saying no as well. Sean Payton, he said he's going to be pissed, quote-unquote, if the Broncos don't make the playoffs this year. That was while he was just crushing Nathaniel Hackett, <laughs> crushing the Jets. That was amazing. I still haven't heard it yet. <laughs> well, it's just a sit-down, I think, with USA Today. I don't think oh. there's actual audio. Oh, nuts. Oh, but he went scorched earth. So we got three new playoff teams in the AFC. Jets, Browns, Titans. Again, history shows we're going to have seven new ones this season. So we look to the NFC. We got to get nine in the NFC here, Eddie. We oh. go fast. Washington Commanders. I don't see it. I don't either. Okay. Sam Howell. Hey, yee. You got some weapons to work with over there, but that's a tougher division. I don't see it. Okay, we look to the north. Lions? You want, you got the Lions in there? Oh, yeah. They're in. Oh, yeah. Yep. Huh? Yeah, they're in. You're buying the offseason hype. Dan Campbell, he's doing grassers. He's doing up-downs over there. I just, this is what I want to know, Eddie. They could make it. Can they handle this? 
<laughs> it's really they're used to being overlooked, doubted. Now all of a sudden, Dan Campbell's talking about the hype train the other day. They're yep. getting hyped hyped up left and right. Can they handle this newfound belief that a lot of people have in them? I think so because of the guy they have in the locker room that is their head coach. I think Dan Campbell's a really good leader, and I think he's a terrific head coach, and I think he's able to rally the troops, keep them on the narrow, and keep them in line to what they are trying to accomplish. And I don't think they're a team that has a bunch of guys, really, that are either in over their head with the pressure. You've got Jared Goff, who's been there. He's been to a Super Bowl, and I think he's a terrific locker room leader. So I like I like them as a playoff team because uh, their defense improved the second half of the season, and that's what caused them so many losses at the start of the year was their defense. And as the season went on, the defense improved. So I like the, the way their defense played in the year. I think it will carry over into this season, and that offense is just going to continue to roll. Crazy with Jared Goff, where he had a sneaky good year, Eddie. 29 yeah. touchdowns, 7 picks. But look at this. So the final nine games of the season, no interceptions. Not one pick, the final Wild. nine games. He threw seven interceptions in the first eight games. <laughs> right? Like, so he really took care of the football down the stretch there. So can he build off of that? But, yeah, in a not-so-loaded NFC, I'm going to go Lions playoffs. Packers, hard no for me. You, Some people think they might sneak in. I do not. I think that you regress from Aaron Rodgers, who was not all-world last year, to Jordan Love. There's a reason Aaron Rodgers wasn't all world. He's got a bunch of young guys around him. That's the same thing with Jordan Love. Young quarterback, young weapons. I don't see how they build off of eight and nine. I have them taking a step back. I have them winning eight games again, uh, but I don't have them in either. Okay, Bears. No. Negatory. No. Negatory. Okay. We've got to get to Eddie. We need three new playoff teams. We've only got a few to go. Okay? I know. Panthers. No. Saints. Yes. Okay, you go Saints here. I'm writing them down. Nice. Atlanta. Wait, no. No to New Orleans. Sorry. Yes to Atlanta. No to New Orleans. Whoa, whoa. It, New Orleans gets retracted. Yeah, that, that division only gets one team. They're not going to get two. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Uh, we need two more. Eddie, we're, we're going to be in circle back mode. We got the Rams. I think there could be a resurgence. They're so young. There's so many young guys at so many key positions. But if you get Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald back, you got something to work with. It's not a loaded conference. We don't know about the best team in that division either with their quarterback position. Is Brock Purdy the guy? Right? So I could see the Rams having a resurgence. I'm going playoffs for the Rams. Is that crazy in your mind? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's a heart. Okay. And Arizona, we know, is not making it, right? Correct. So, Eddie, you have five teams on your We got to get to seven here. I know, but when you look at the NFC, it's just so bad. It's like all those teams that didn't make it last year didn't improve drastically enough for me to say, yeah, they're in. Like the only team in the NFC that I could see falling out that made the playoffs the season, or the two teams, uh, are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. Or not Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, where I insert the Lions and the Falcons. That's where I th you could say the same thing heading into last season, where it's like, well, what we know is the Rams, Green Bay, and Tampa are going to be really good. Other than that, who knows? And that was way wrong, as it turned out. So it could be something similar this season as well. 
Because as we know, football's not played on paper. These injury issues, dude, like if that goes down again, maybe it's longer. Maybe it's for the year. What if Jalen Hurts, who got hurt at the end of the regular season, what if he's out for an extended period of time? It can change real fast. Goodness, look at uh, the Niners. The Niners were able to tread water and get to 13-4 and four with what was essentially their third-string quarterback in there in Brock Purdy. That was really impressive. Okay, so we got to circle back here, Eddie. we got to get you two more playoff teams <laughs> and seven up. Okay, can I resell you on the Broncos? Huh? Broncos no. sneak it? Nope. No. Still Hard no. pass. Yeah, still no. We, no. we got to get two. Colts? No. No? All right. Uh, Steelers? Sure. Sure. Well, who's coming out? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what? My list, I'm going to sneak in somehow, some way, the Broncos, who do have a talented team, and it's not it's not going to be the craziest thing ever if Russell Wilson comes back to us, you know, and, and looks like Russell Wilson again. So I don't I'm think it's go, crazy. I will go like this. These are my seven new playoff teams. Jets, Browns, Titans, Broncos, in the NFC Lions, I go, I go Saints myself. Saints, Rams. That's my list, Eddie. See, I've got Falcons and Lions in the NFC. That's right. Uh, Just, I can make an argument for the Saints, but it would actually, yeah, I'll throw the Saints in there. You will. Yep. Okay, your new list: Falcons, Saints, and the Lions to make it. Uh huh. So there's three. Uh, and then I will take the Jets, uh huh, the Titans, Jets, Titans, yep, Steelers, Steelers, and this is where I don't know Browns. I can't see all four teams from that division making the playoffs, though. No, there, there's no chance all four are going to make. Yeah, it. so you go uh, Denver. I would <laughs> I guess. No, did I say Titan? I did say Titans, right? Uh huh. Yeah. 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 I guess Denver. I don't know if you. Okay. I had to put a gun to my head. Yeah. Eddie Seven. Is this a gross exercise or what? Yes. So your new seven playoff teams. You got Jets, Titans, Steelers, Broncos, Falcons, Saints, Lions. Yep. That's what it is. Okay. See how it plays out. Can't wait. Isn't that crazy though? We'll do this a little bit later, too. you got to take seven teams out. Who oh are you taking out from the playoff teams last season that won't make it this season? That, that's a mind-bender as well. We'll do that next hour. Coming up next, the, uh, the schedule has been released, and when it couples with a huge brand name, I mean, this network's got something going. We'll give you some details on that. I'm Brian No, He's Eddie Garrison. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan, top of the hour. Stephen Holder, Colts reporter from ESPN. Interested to talk to him. He's had a couple of reports about Jim Irsay trying to make things better and making things worse <laughs> with his initial tweet saying, hey, the running back market is what it is. Okay, nothing's changing. We've got a CBA. And then he was on the phone. It might have been with Stephen himself. And said, hey, hey, it's not personal with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we haven't even offered him a contract, by the way. So <laughs> it's like that doesn't make things better, Jim. Uh, so we'll talk to Steven at the top of the hour. How about this, Eddie? College football right around the corner as well. Brett McMurphy 
He's over there, um, and he says, sources tell the Action Network about NBC's Big Ten schedule. And so this is if no games are flexed to a different network. But how about the Boilermakers, huh? Purdue featured a couple of times. So September 30th, Purdue hosting Illinois. Also, November 4th, if you're scoring at home, my birthday, Eddie, I expect a beautiful gift around November 4th this year from you. Is that a steak dinner? Is that what you're expecting? Uh, Just no ketchup. No ketchup on that. Um, And then also uh, Purdue at Michigan that day. That's a nightcap. That's a 7.30 game. So how about that? The Boilermakers getting some run on NBC in prime time. Both of those matchups are at 7.30. Of course, you've got the return of... <clears throat> Whoop, forgot to turn the mic off there. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm clearing my throat. Uh, Ryan Walters returning to Illinois uh, in his first year at Purdue as the head coach. So, yeah, that's a given. Um, I'm surprised, though, that it was Michigan uh, getting the other game for them on prime time. Yeah, right? Like, that's a big spot. That's a big window. Usually you can count on them to get, like, Iowa or Wisconsin because those games are always just close and ugly. Yeah. Iowa's featured three straight weeks on NBC. Oh, yay. Yeah, I don't know if that's the way you want to go about it. You know? (laughs) Uh, Also this. So this is coupled with Notre Dame football where if you look at a couple of these windows where this is a nice little doubleheader where think about this, Eddie, on October 28th, this isn't stop everything you're doing, but if you've got Pittsburgh at Notre Dame, just think about the brand name and how how many eyeballs are on Notre Dame games. So you get that game at 2.30, nightcap at 7.30, Ohio State at Wisconsin. That's not a bad one-two punch. There we go. I like that one. You also have this. We were talking trash about Iowa, but earlier, October 14th, Iowa at Wisconsin at 3.30, which is like, eh, okay. But the nightcap is USC at Notre Dame. So as your like, warm-up band at Lollapalooza, Iowa, Wisconsin, it's better than not having football. So Big Ten on NBC beginning this season. Some good stuff right there. No IU Hoosiers. Not no surprised. Not surprised. Don't see IU on this uh, list over here. I'm just surprised Purdue got two. And I know as soon as we go to break, Todd Myers is going to be storming <laughs> in here. <laughs> uh, what? Guess the Todd Meyer comment. What, what do you think it's going to be? Uh, you're just another one of those IU fans hating on Purdue, Eddie. <laughs> that, that might be it. Like, like mic it up. You know, and we'll share it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up next, Stephen Holder, Colts reporter for ESPN, has had some uh, detailed reports about Jim Irsay trying to make things better with his comments about running backs and how it pertains to Jonathan Taylor. In my mind, not making anything better whatsoever. We'll see what Stephen has to say about it. I'm Brian No, He's Eddie Gar- Garrison. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Eddie Garrison. Here on The Fan, I want to welcome in Stephen Holder, Colts reporter for ESPN. Had some reports recently about Jim Mersey's comments and all that good stuff. First off, how's everything in your world, Stephen? Everything good, buddy? Yeah, a uh, little, little uh, frazzled today. I'm, I'm actually uh, spending a little time with the Bengals, filling in on, uh, on the Bengals today. With, uh, there's a little Joe Burrow news you might have heard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, but... Um, that's what I'm. That's what I got going on. Bengals practice right now. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I was about to say, there's not much going on there, right? Not, not much. You're going to have to do some heavy digging. What, what's, the, what's the feeling like around that team right now with Burrow, yeah. you know, having that calf injury yesterday? You know, they've been here before. I think that's kind of the sentiment. You know, they, they have had a lot of time without Joe Burrow in the lineup. Certainly, the, he, he tore that ACL his rookie season in 2020. Uh, he was still rehabbing it when he came back in 2021. And then last year, he tears his, or excuse me, ruptures his appendix of all things and, and has to miss, <laughs> miss time last training camp. And it did affect them, I do think, you know, last year uh, at the start of the season. They had a slow start. So that's the question now. You know, not whether his season is over necessarily, but how much time does he miss? And then what is the effect of it on the back end? But just to finally wrap it up, that was in. Uh, in the stadium earlier and, and near uh, the Bengals' locker room, and, and they had the music blasting, and they were turning up in there, man. And so it looked like they were having a good time, so I don't think they're worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can't do anything to change it, right? You might as well blast right. the music in the meantime. How about this situation with Jim Ursay? You know about the initial tweet where he's basically saying, hey, this is the running back market. There's a CBA. We're not changing anything. Of course, there's a ripple effect as it pertains to Jonathan Taylor, then he comes back and says, we love Jonathan. It wasn't meant to be anything related to Jonathan. And, oh, by the way, we haven't offered him a long-term contract either. Like, What do you make of the last couple of days with what Jim Irsay has been tweeting and saying? Yeah, so he, you know about the initial tweet, as you just mentioned. And then so yesterday, you know, obviously we, we all want to advance this story and, and figure out where this whole thing is going. So I, I reached out to Jim Irsay in an effort to – you know, to see if, if he could maybe you know, move the ball forward a little bit and give me some some context about you know some things maybe we don't know or just where what do we what do we not know right and where what's where this going and that turned into I think him wanting to to clarify his statements obviously the initial statement which it wasn't directly directed at at Jonathan Taylor I think that's true but I could also say. I don't blame anyone for making the connection to Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Because the overall sentiment was him saying, Hey, you know what? You know, these, these running backs, they don't get to change the rules because they don't like how much they're getting paid. You know, he's talking about the salary cap figure and all those things. But so that was not directly about Jonathan Taylor, but, but he is, a, he's impacted by the marketplace and how it views running backs. So if you're Jonathan Taylor, you probably didn't appreciate it. Right. Let's just be honest. So he, he really wanted to clear the air there. Whether it helped or not, I, I can't say. But that's the first thing. And then he made the point that, that they had not engaged in contract negotiations because his, his point was, look, I was talking about you know contract talks and negotiations and things of that sort. He said, well, we haven't even talked to Jonathan about any of that. And so it doesn't apply to him. <laughs> and I don't know that – I don't know if he thought that was a good or bad thing to reveal, but, uh, but certainly it was, it was definitely enlightening for me. Yeah, yeah, for all of us. Do you think that makes things worse as it pertains to JT right now? Well, he already knew that, obviously. I mean, but I do think that has informed how he feels about all this. It's part of, it is definitely part of why he has been, uh, I don't know if the word is upset, uh, but unhappy, I guess. At, mm -hmm. at minimum, the word is unhappy. You know, how you want to you know, specifically describe it, I guess we could quibble about, right? But but he's definitely not happy, that I know. And I think the question has to be asked, you know, 
if and when they can resolve this, and I don't know how it gets resolved if they don't give them a deal, but if, if and when they can resolve this, you know, what then uh, do they do to, to maybe make amends? How do you how do you get Jonathan Taylor, you know, back into the fold and, and with the right attitude to go out there and do what he has to do because they really do need him. He's, he's so pivotal uh, and, and critical to the success of, of Anthony Richardson and, and the RPO game and all the things that they want to do. So, uh, look, they need Jonathan Taylor to be content. There's no question about that. I, I do understand the views of running backs around the league. Look, those, mm-hmm. The game is the game, right? We know what this game consists of today. It's a passing league. And those are all things that, that Jamerce sort of stressed to me in talking to him yesterday. However, I do think the Colts are a little bit of a unique situation. This is, this is what I think separates it, perhaps. They maybe are a little bit of a unique situation because they don't have a whole lot of offensive firepower. And, and so he, is their, he has been, at least, their biggest weapon. So that's the, that's the key distinction there. Yeah, I'm with you. He's Stephen Holder, Colts reporter for ESPN. You know, if you look at Jonathan Taylor specifically and then just the running back position as a whole, where I'm not saying they should get quarterback money or even wide receiver money, but I think that the pay should be better than it is. If you've got Josh Jacobs and he has 49% of the touches for the Raiders' offense last season, I agree with Najee Harris. Like, they're only devalued at the negotiating table. It's not like the carries are way down and the production is way down. It's just the pay is way down, right? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that, I mean, the, the 49% on Josh Jacobs, I mean, that's, that's just really eye-opening, you know? Now, I will say, I think that there is, uh, there, there is some truth to the idea that that running game is as much about the scheme and the offensive line execution and, and the quarterback play, it has as much to do with all of that as it does the actual running back's uh, performance. However, <laughs> we could also say that's true of other positions, right? I mean, the quarterback struggles when you don't have a running game, when your receivers aren't any good, <laughs> when the offensive line doesn't block, right? So while that's the argument, and it's not even a, a bad argument, it's true, while that's the argument, there's also an argument to be made, a similar argument to be made for other players. So, you know, should that devalue them then? And I think so. Hey, look, it all depends on your perspective on this and what side of the bargaining table you're sitting on. And, you know, depending that determines, I guess, you know, what argument you're going to make. Yeah. <laughs> they're all pretty effective arguments, frankly. So, but, but there's no doubt about it. The last thing I'd say is that you look at the franchise number for players around the league, you know, what, when they get tagged as a franchise player, which has been really at issue here for, for the elite guys at running back, when they get tagged, no other position gets less money. Other than kickers and punters, no one else gets paid less than running backs. And I'm talking safeties, offensive guards, whatever. It doesn't matter. Tight ends, they all make less money, or excuse me, they all make more money than running backs, which is remarkable. When you look at Jonathan Taylor, it's July 28th, 2023 you know what I mean so this is well in the distant future but what's your gut feeling as things stand right now what's more likely than not that after this season he's somewhere else or he's back here on the franchise tag or it's a multi-year extension which of the of the three do you think is more likely as we speak right now well I'll start by saying everything is on the table and I mean that including Jonathan Taylor not being here this year I'm not not predicting that not predicting that but I am telling you, don't rule that out. 
you know, so you can make it that what you want. But I just think it's a the situation is such that you have to you have to consider everything right now if you're the Colts because if, if he is truly that unhappy, which I which I uh, glean that he is, you know, you may have to consider some some really drastic measures here. So I don't know if we're there yet. I'm not saying we are, but I'm just saying I, I don't think we can eliminate anything as a possibility. That would be my advice right now as a fan. Now, as to what I think is more likely, I, I think here's the thing. Unless they really change their position, I don't think they're going to – it doesn't seem at least as though the Colts are likely to give Jonathan Taylor the kind of offer he wants. So if that's the case, a year from now, or not even, in the spring, he's going to have his opportunity to go out there and, and see what his market is and – I think it's very likely he does that right now. So whether when whether it ends up being a good decision for him, time will tell. I, I can't tell you. But, I mean, just not based on anything anyone told me. Just reading the tea leaves here, right? I mean, yeah. the guy's upset. He's not getting what he wants from the Colts. He's not. In fact, he hasn't gotten anything from the Colts. I'm sure he perceives that as disrespect. And so does that make you more or less likely to want to stick around, right? So that's where we are right now. Wow, that's interesting stuff. Do you think that – JT would have a trade market around the league if it came to that? It would be interesting. I'm, it would be fascinating to find out. I mean, we know that position is just, you know, just really not valued right now. So I, I don't think it would be necessarily a, a situation where you're talking about a first-round pick for the guy. But, I mean, if you can get a, you know, a marquee team that maybe is, is struggling to run the football, I mean, you talk about big play ability – at that position, I don't know that you can get better than Jonathan Taylor. You know, so if you have a, an electric passing game and maybe a lackluster running game, you talk about a guy who can add some juice, it's Jonathan Taylor. So I think there could be a handful of teams that would be uh, probably more than a handful, frankly, mm-hmm. that would be interested. The question, though, is the compensation and what would the Colts be willing to accept. But we're getting ahead of ourselves and we're mm-hmm. not there yet. But I don't think we can, I don't think we can eliminate the possibility. No, good stuff. He's Stephen Holder, Colts reporter for ESPN. We were comparing our lists today, Stephen, of the top three Colts with the most to prove this season. So if you look at rookies, I mean, some of the vets coming back from injury, contract situations being involved, who would be your top three Colts with the most to prove this season? Well, the, the first one's easy. It's Anthony Richardson for all the reasons we've been talking about since, since April. And I think, you know, that that time is now. We're going to learn so much about him, I believe, in the coming weeks and months. And whether it's good or bad, I really think it's going to be super fascinating to see how he develops. I, I like his chances. I don't think it's going to be perfect. I don't think he's going to be – I don't think it's going to be an even progression every day. But the skill set that he has is, is pretty rare. I mean, you just don't find it. So if they can, they can sort of tailor – what he does to what they want to do, they being the Colts coaches, that's the thing. It's going to take a lot of smart planning on their part. I think this could work. So anyway, he's the first. I think Shaquille Leonard. And it's not that I don't believe in him. The question is, he's been through a lot. He has to, to, to be Shaquille Leonard, he has to be the guy we, we saw a couple of years ago or a few years ago at the outset of his career. Can he be that guy? No one knows that answer. No one. And I think that is 
is what the Colts are hoping and banking on. But if he's not that guy, then their defense is suddenly a, a very different unit. I think you saw that last year. They were good, but certainly not great. And then beyond that, I think it, it, it might be, frankly, the, the rookie corners. I mean, you look at Juju Brents, for example. I mean, there's a guy who's going to have to step in and play probably immediately. You know, that's, that's a position where you, know, you can learn some hard lessons pretty early on. You know, these, these Pro Bowl and all pro quarterbacks, they start cooking and, and they start picking on you. How do you react? How are you going to, to, to kind of come back from that? And, and do you have what it takes, you know, to, to get up and dust yourself off? Well, we're going to learn something pretty soon about these guys. And um, time's almost here. When you look, I was looking at uh, rushing attempts for quarterbacks last season, yeah. and there were five guys that had over a hundred rushing attempts. If it's a full season for Anthony Richardson, ideally, what's roughly the range you would like to see his rushing attempts be at? Hmm. I I don't think it's really outlandish to say he he could be in that in that category. You know, yeah. hundred plus. And, and here's why. I think right now that is his biggest attribute is his, his athletic ability, his running ability. If you put too much on his plate as a drop-back passer right now, I think you're asking for trouble. So, plus also the, the fact that if he gets in trouble – now, I'll say this let me before I go on. Anthony Richardson is not one of those guys who drops back and gets a little pressure and runs out of the pocket. That is not him. To his credit, he is hanging in the pocket – looking to throw the football. He wants to extend the play and then throw the ball. He is not trying to just sort of uh, get out there and use his wheels and, and, and not you know, run the, the offense. But, but there will be times when the, the game's going to start moving fast for him, okay? And, and the best option in those instances is sometimes going to be, okay, I'm, I'm just getting out of here. And frankly, if you could run the way he could, you would too. So I get it. I think he's going to be on the high side. I don't know if it's the optimum number, which was kind of your question, but I, I just think it, that's going to. I think that's where we're going to be. I think he's going to be a high rushing attempt guy this year. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that is who he is. I think the Colts, to their credit, they'll probably just lean into that. You know, Steve, before you go, man, if um, if the Bengals said, "Hey, Stephen Holder, you're here, man. Guess what?" You get to pick a song to blast at Bengals practice because we're just happy that you're here. What song are you picking for Cincy there? Well, I would pick uh, – so I've got a lot of favorite rappers, but the king of the hill for me is Kendrick Lamar. So anything off of his first first true album, I mean, you know, pick one, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I would say let's – think, let's think um, – you know, you got the backseat freestyle. You got all those 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 bangers from the uh, the first Kendrick Lamar album. Look, if you want juice, there's a lot of juice on that album. <laughs> there so. You, you got to go juice, right? Like you can't yes, go with something yes. that's easy. You got to go with something high right. energy, right? For practice. Right, right. Look, I mean that that was uh, there's a lot of gangster anthems on that uh, on that album. So <laughs> it would <laughs> it would probably go over well at, at a football practice. <laughs> No doubt, man. Well, hey, Stephen, great stuff today. You crushed it as always, and uh, good catching up with you, man. I hope you enjoy it there at, at Bengals camp today. Okay, you got it. All right, man, thank you. There he is, Stephen Holder, Colts reporter for ESPN. Wow, great stuff. How about that, too? I love the, the curveball there 
where I'm like, all right, JT, or I'm like, all right, Stephen Holder, as far as Jonathan Taylor's situation going forward, which do you think is more likely next year? Is he somewhere else? Does he get hit with the franchise tag? Or does he sign a multi-year extension? And what does Steven say? He's like, I'm just going to throw this out at you. Don't rule it out that JT is playing somewhere else this year. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, holy cow. It, I would love to know if he's that unhappy and if he is, what the trading market looks like. like think about that, Eddie. How many teams around the league... And like we could get into the the real deep like what's the compensation going to cost? That's obvious, but also like salary cap stuff and can you fit it in and all that type of stuff. But if you look at some of the top teams that are maybe a Jonathan Taylor away from making a serious Super Bowl run, I mean, who's on that list? I think Buffalo would be on that list. Miami, Miami could be on that list. I wonder what happens with Dalvin Cook. He's the wild card right now. Think about that too, Eddie. If you could have Dalvin Cook without having to give up any draft capital or you don't have to trade for the guy, he's a free agent. You could either sign Dalvin Cook or trade for Jonathan Taylor. Like it depends what the price tag is on both situations. You know what I mean? Like how much do you have to sign Dalvin Cook for? How much do you have to trade to the Colts for Jonathan Taylor? So that it differs right there. Um, but man, I would, unless it's you have to give up a second round pick or some premium pick, I mean, I, I would go the Dalvin Cook way because you don't have to trade for the guy. What would you say to that, Eddie? I would probably, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, first of all. If you're wanting just a rental one year or two seasons, just to get the last ounce of gr- greatness out of a player like a D- Dalvin Cook, then yeah, sure, I would go that route. But if you're wanting to have a little bit longer in terms of extending that window of a championship, I would probably lean towards Jonathan Taylor just because he prior to last year he had been incredibly durable, even dating back to his high school days. I believe this past season was the first time he even missed a game in his football career, so that's where I would tend to lean, and plus where Jonathan Taylor is special is different from where Dalvin Cook is special. I do believe that Taylor has the home run ability, and we've seen that, especially in 2021. That would entice a team like Miami because you have Jalen Waddle, you have Tyreek Hill on the outside, so Jonathan Taylor is going to see a lot and a lot less eight-man boxes or even seven-man boxes, it'd see more six. And if that's the case, I would probably take Jonathan Taylor over Dalvin Cook just because he's got that home run speed. Well, it's just it's the trade. That's the whole thing. I hear you on all that stuff. Uh, the contract, look at JT. So this year, he's going to earn about $4.3 million, uh this season. He's going to earn $4.3 million. Uh, Dalvin Cook... I would imagine going to be slightly north of that with wherever he lands. Where would you put that at? I'd put it in the, what, I'd say like six six to seven range, roughly, for Dalvin. What would you put it at? Guess the millions that Dalvin Cook gets from the mystery team. Um, I would probably have to say seven, eight. Seven, eight? Yeah. I go six, seven, you go seven, eight. Yeah. Where, where do you put it in line at? $10,000 or normal <laughs> wager? <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, you might be right because that's around the 
Like well, the Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler-ish range, what we've seen their deals go for? Can I follow up with a question? Yeah, sure. What? Are we talking about base pay or like are we talking about what the contract could be up to? Because like the, I want to say, uh, let's go with Justin Herbert's contract, for example. Right, right, like right. Like he can earn up to or I whatever. I know it. That's so, where it gets tricky, or, right? Or like Saquon Barkley. That was the that was the guy yep. I was looking for there. They added the the nine hundred thousand dollars of incentives. Man, yeah. those Giants, they really backed up the Brinks truck for old Saquon right there. Like goodness, they blow their nose on nine hundred thousand right. dollars. Those are his incentives. Goodness. But uh, JT is set to make $4.3 million this season. So it depends on how you look at it with Dalvin, where we're looking at what he's going to make. I guess you factor in what he could make, but that's where it gets really tricky. Like, what are these, you know, these incentives? Are they attainable? Or is it like you've got to be all pro and rush for 1,500 yards on a Super Bowl winning team? You know what I mean? Like, sometimes yeah. they're not even attainable. Yeah. And. You look at what happened yesterday in the NFL. You see Rodgers willingly take the, what was it, $35 million yeah. pay cut. Yeah. I'm like, wow, willingly yeah. and just doing it out of the goodness of his own heart. And there was a report, I think it was by Tony Pauline. We've had him on this program before we had him on prior to the draft. He's with the, uh, I think it was like Pro Football Network. Uh, and he's saying that the deal between the Jets and Dalvin Cook should be coming by this weekend. Uh, because that he was around the team today. He was supposed to be in team meetings with the Jets today. So it seems like the Dalvin Cook mm. to the New York Jets is going to happen. And if you kind of the stars are aligning a little bit, I can see it happening. Wow. Okay. That's possible. I don't like that. I've got a futures bet on him going to Miami. But I also have a futures bet on Otani winning AL MVP. So it's okay. I'm still coming out. Well, the good that. news for you is that they're not trading him. What's that? With uh, the Angels. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good for my AL MVP bet. Yeah, because imagine, oh. imagine though, like you had that outstanding bet, and then he gets traded like the Dodgers, and you're like, oh my. <laughs> you know what's crazy? He'd still be in the AL MVP race. Yeah, I don't know if you know if he'd be eligible at that point, but his right. his first half has been so strong. Think about that, Eddie. What is he up to? Thirty eight home runs. Yes. He just threw a shutout. He's giving you pitching numbers as well. Like he, even if he got traded to say the Dodgers at the at the trade deadline, he'd still have a legitimate argument to be AL MVP anyway. But with Dalvin, okay, put it this way, Eddie. You could have Dalvin Cook for, let's just say, $7 million, okay? You can sign Dalvin for $7 mil, or you can trade for Jonathan Taylor. Let's say second, third round pick, something like that, one of the two, and his contract's $4.3 million this season. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there are a lot of teams that would look at it and say, hey, if we can sign uh, Jonathan Taylor for a couple of years, maybe, but it could possibly be a one-year deal for either player, and you're giving up a second or a third potentially with Jonathan Taylor. Like, I, There are a lot of teams that would just say, give us Dalvin for seven. Yeah. I don't know. Would you rather have the long-term, though? Like a guy that you can – sure can be healthy longer and he's younger because I would assume that if a, tr a team is trading for Jonathan Taylor they've already had preliminary discussions with his agent about a contract extension like if you're trading for him you'd want him for more than one year right um, yeah but but that's the thing is man these teams are not opening up the wallets for running backs so but just that being a possibility 
for Stephen Holder to put it out there. Very interesting stuff. Indeed. Man, with Jonathan Taylor, don't rule out the possibility of him being somewhere else this year. Wow. Now, how about this? Stephen Holder being the scholar that he is, huh? Smart man. Who's he have on his list? Most approved, number one, Anthony Richardson, Eddie. But hey, who do you have number two? He did have your guy Shaq Leonard yes, number two. Exactly. But he had my guy Juju Brents to round out the top three. It was a he hybrid did. list. Hybrid list from Steven. It's a fun exercise because there are so many players on this Colts roster that have something to prove this year. If you were at camp for any NFL team and they said, Eddie Garrison, pick a song for us. Oh, oh no. What are you going with? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll give you a little bit of time to think about this, Okay. And we'll compare notes at the end of the show. Uh, We'll circle back to this question because I'm going to have to do some digging here. They're definitely going to turn around like, who picked this? Because it'll be some crazy heavy metal song most likely. But (laughs) that's great at camp. You got to have high energy, you know, got to have it at camp. All right. Coming up next, we get to a couple of comments about two players that I say they need to know when to say when this season. We'll dive into that. I'm Brian, though. He's Eddie Garrison. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian, though. He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan. And now, uh, am I officially up to three where uh, I've mistakenly said Eddie Garcia or caught myself midway instead of Eddie Garrison? I work with an Eddie Garcia now, I tripped up a little bit earlier. I know you're uh, editing audio every second of every day here, Eddie. You're editing audio in the shower, practically, is how it works out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, have you cut it up where I just I marble-mouthed it? You know, I have slipped I over. I cut it up? Okay, let's hear it. Let's, try, let's uh, sample this here real fast. He's Eddie Gar- Garrison. <laughs> you're right. You know, I. it sounds like I was going to say Eddie Garcia. This definitely counts as my third flub of the week. The total, the over-under, is at three and a half. So I have to have a clean sheet here for the final half hour. Uh, but, yeah, I you know, I just slipped over my words. I'm like, bleh, 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 you know? But it, it counts. If you would have stumbled with gear, I would have bought it. But yeah. since you stumbled with a gar. I stu- stumbled <clears throat> with gar. Yeah. No, hey, totally fair. Absolutely fair. You're not going to hear um, slipping. When it comes to this over here, we got some audio. Jim Bob Cooter, also Gus Bradley. Now, uh, pertaining to two players here, let's go with Jim Bob first because he's talking about Anthony Richardson trying to ease him into things. This is important. Check it out. For a quarterback, there's there's a lot of information that these these NFL quarterbacks end up learning and knowing and and understanding to help them do their job at a really high level so as a young guy there's almost unlimited things he can learn but we got to be careful as a coach i got to be careful person you know you don't throw the whole book at the guy you teach him in a, in a really really organized really sequential manner uh hopefully to set him up for success yeah hey man uh <laughs> it's limitless the amount of things he could learn you know there's just so much to learn eddie it's crazy how much you have to learn to get up to speed at the NFL level for any quarterback practically coming out and uh, stepping foot in the NFL. But, man, getting him up to speed, that is job number one. There is no doubt about that. And then also Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, here's him talking about 
the uh, the health status. How is health? Uh, Shaq Leonard's health is at this stage for a quarterback. There's that's the uh, same one. My bad. This one. You know, Shaq is one of those players that has great communication with all areas of organization. So if he's working out, all of a sudden you'll get a videotape of him working out. You know, and say, hey, here's where I'm at. And the relationship Richard Smith and him have developed is there. There is a strong, strong sense of trust between those two. And I think Shaq will go to Rich and say, hey, what did you think? And Richard Smith, as if you know him, there's not a lot of BS to him. He'll tell him. But when he says, hey, I like the way this is looking and how it's coming together. But that's that Shaq. He's got great communication, sends tapes to me, Richard, the trainers. And I think we all have a pretty good sense where he's at. So now, really, it truly is about just getting him reps. Yeah, it's, uh, listen, I think those two players, the theme is, Know when to say when, and I think that pertains to many things. I think Shaq, it's knowing when to push his body back from injury when it's time not to, it's time to back off. It's also for the training staff. It's also for the Colts. That's a tricky thing to figure out. Also for Anthony Richardson, it's knowing when to say when in terms of holding on to the ball, buying a little bit of time, looking for a weapon downfield, and when it is time to tuck it and run. That's been one of the themes of the show. How many rushing attempts would you like to see from Anthony Richardson over the course of an entire season? There were five guys last year that had over 100 carries. Like, would you want him in that territory? Would you want it to be on the high side? Or Jalen Hurts, a buck 65. Justin Fields, a buck 60. That's a lot. You also have Josh Allen, Daniel Jones at 120 plus. Lamar Jackson had. 112. Of course, that number would have been a lot higher if he played more than 12 games last season, but he was banged up. Where do you want Anthony Richardson's carries to be? I I want it to be right around 100. Some people are going to vary with that, but knowing when to say when, knowing when to stick with a passing play and when it's time to bail on it. I think another layer would be knowing as a coaching staff when to throw more at him the learning process, and that entails all kinds of stuff. The mental side of the game that he's talked about trying to get up to speed on, which is more information, hey, more checks at the line of scrimmage, more complex stuff. Uh, hey, he's ready for week one. When do we throw him out there? Like knowing as a coaching staff when to say when, right? Like when do we put him out there? When do we give him all the first team reps? in training camp like that's tricky too so i think for both of those guys that's the theme right there i just love hearing from jim bob cooter in particular you like that southern draw don't you that's a great southern draw you know what tell me if i'm crazy here eddie it sounds i can hear a little bit of uh, philip rivers just in terms of cadence speed now his voice sounds much different his voice is deeper than Phil's, I think, right? But, like, close your eyes and see if you hear any Philip Rivers-isms in this at all, or if I'm just crazy. For a quarterback, there's there's a lot of information that these these NFL quarterbacks end up learning and knowing and, and understanding to help them do their job at a really high level. So as a young guy, there's almost unlimited things he can learn, but we got to be careful as a coach. I got to be careful. You know, you don't throw the whole book at the guy. You teach him in a, in a really, really organized, really sequential manner, uh, hopefully to set him up for success. I, I hear it. You hear it? I hear I a little don't. film. don't. 
You don't hear any Phil. Phil's a little more fast-paced when he talks, and he drops a gush uh, or dad gummit. Dad gummit. Yep. To me, he sounds like a former Purdue football coach and Jeff Brom. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, he gives me a little Jeff Brom vibes, and I don't know if you've ever talked to this guy before or heard him talk. Uh, Sean Salisbury. Oh, yeah. Sounds oh, yeah. like Sean Salisbury a little bit, too. Heard Sean quite a bit, yeah. I like sequential at the end right there. You think Philip Rivers would be thrown out sequential? I don't like think Jim so. Bob Cooter? I, maybe he would. I'm not sure. Okay, Eddie, you ready for another gross exercise here? Is this the one where we have to take 17 out of the That's right. It's a, so the trend in the NFL, last handful of seasons, ever since we got to 14 playoff teams, right? There was expansion a few years ago. We've had three Super Bowl seasons where there have been 14 teams in the mix, okay? So since we're in this new era of 14 teams, seven teams, adios muchachos. They do not get back to the playoffs year over year. So we have, in gross fashion, Eddie, we have pinpointed seven new playoff teams this season, and we've lined up a little little variation between us, but we've picked seven new playoff teams I think this is even worse. It's more gross to try to figure out which seven are out. Especially in the AFC. Yeah. So, we start the the list over here, Eddie. (sighs) Who's coming out? All right. Bills out? Yay or nay? I don't know. You're teetering. You want to do it. You want to. I'm going to go, no, they're still in. They're still in. By the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. Okay, you still have Buffalo in. You know what? I am going to leave Buffalo on my chopping block list, okay? I haven't chopped them just yet, but they are on my chopping block list, Eddie. All right? Um, They're a a candidate because it could go south for them. Okay, let's go on. Uh, Miami. Jalen Ramsey, oh, that was brutal yesterday. So the the meniscus injury, he's going to undergo surgery. He's going to be gone for a handful of months. There are some reports he might not be back until December, but still a talented team. Do you think they're back in the playoffs? Yeah, assuming two is healthy. Yes, I think they're back. Can be a big assumption right there. This is Kimberly Martin on Get Up on ESPN. It was kind of funny what she said. He was one of the big acquisitions this offseason. So if you're a Dolphins fan, you're just crushed. Yes, yeah, that's me. I'm a Dolphins fan. I am crushed that Jalen Ramsey is banged up for a handful of months. That is not good news. Okay, so you got the Dolphins back in. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. Okay, let's, let's move on. Bengals, back in? Yay or nay? I will go with yay because I like yay. Joe Burrow. Okay. Uh, the Ravens, they snuck in. Don't forget. They back? No. No. All right. I'm keeping track here. I'm tr- keeping track. You got uh, Baltimore I, I like Baltimore, out. but I think the hype may be a little overblown. Okay. All right. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Of these four teams, Bills, Dolphins, Bengals, Ravens, you've only had the Ravens that you're taking out, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Jacksonville. Obviously, they're in because they're going to Wait, hold they're on. I gotta, I'll got. have to take another one out <laughs> by my numbers of teams that I had going in. Yeah. it's uh, you got. We got to get okay, to seven. So I'm going to take Buffalo out. I'll do it. All right. Buffalo so is got, out. Yeah, because I had, what, four teams from the AFC making it in? 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess if you want to be like completely accurate with that. Sure. Yeah, that's that's a good point by you to have it uh, match up and actually be realistic. Yeah, <laughs> you I'll go with Buffalo just on the off chance because like their second half of the schedule is just oh my. Like so they get through the first you look at the first six, seven weeks. They've got the Jets, Raiders, Commanders, Dolphins, Jags, Giants, Patriots, Buccaneers. Yeah. Ouch. Cake. Yeah. Nine through eighteen. Bengals, Broncos, Jets, uh-huh. Eagles, uh-huh. Chiefs, okay. Cowboys, Oof. Chargers. Patriots, Dolphins. Well, that's a that's a tough Week 18 matchup for them for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listen, man, the second half is rough, rough. Okay, Eddie, but of these, okay, these are the seven playoff teams. You got to take four of them out the way we've done it in the yeah. AFC. So between the Bills, Dolphins, Bengals, Ravens, Jags. Chiefs, Chargers, you got to take four of them out. Who are your four? I'm taking the Bills out. I will take the Chargers out, um, and I will take the Ravens out. Mm -hmm. That's three. Yep. I guess I got to go the Dolphins. I guess when push comes to shove, I got to get rid of them. Yeah, isn't that rough? How gross is this? Yes. Okay, my uh, list of teams that are out from the AFC, I'm going to go Buffalo. And that's a tough one because they have the firepower to make you look really stupid. They have the firepower to make a Super Bowl run. But I think that with Stephon Diggs, you shouldn't have drama in June, okay? <laughs> like you should not have drama in June. That doesn't give me a lot of confidence that things are going to be okay when it's week 11 and they've maybe lost two of three games. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't love that. Uh, okay, so I'll go Buffalo out. Uh, give me... There's got to be something crazy. Give me Bengals out. Wow. That's, that's wild, too. But you saw it with the Joe Burrow injury. Like, there's going to be a team that you will say, you're crazy. They're going to make the playoffs, dude. And they won't. They'll have some big injury issue. Something will go sideways. So I don't love that. Trust me, I'm not running to the betting window to take that. But I'll go Cincy out. Give me the Chargers out. Give me, and this might surprise you a little bit, give me the overrated Jaguars. Out! Out of the playoffs. So you've got the Titans winning the AFC South then? That's exactly what I have. Yes, I do. I've got the Titans winning the AFC South. I think they are underrated. I think the Jags are overrated. That's what I think. Okay, so the way we've done it to get to our seven teams that will be out of this postseason when they were playoff teams last postseason... Um, we got to get to three in the NFC. We both took three new NFC teams, so we got to throw three of them out. Who yep. are we kicking to the curb here, Eddie? I think this is relatively easy. Okay. You got the Buccaneers. Goodbye. All right. <laughs> the Giants. Goodbye. Uh-huh. See you later. And Seattle. And Seattle. Okay. Let me see. Let me look at the landscape over here. I see what you've done with the Giants. Oh, how about uh, how about Mini? You got Mini back in there? Yeah. I do, simply because I think they're still going to be the best team in that horrid division. Okay. All right. I am going to go. I will agree with your Giants. Uh, they just do not have weapons around Daniel Jones. Like, Think about that, too. We were talking about 
Stephen Holder brought it up. They don't have a, a whole lot of weapons around Anthony Richardson. Like if you subtracted Jonathan Taylor, right? You don't have a whole lot to work with around Anthony Richardson. Look at the Giants. If you subtract Saquon Barkley, from, what does Daniel Jones have to work with? Paris Campbell. And they still didn't pay him. <laughs> they still didn't pay Saquon. Jerry I'm sorry. They, they gave him $900,000 in incentives. That's Isaiah Hodgins. Yeah, right? Like they, they don't have. Darren Waller. I like that pickup, but man, you got to bring more to the table around Daniel Jones than that. So I'll go Giants. I will agree with you, Tampa. I just don't see how they take a step forward with Baker in for the goat. That's uh, it's a rough, it's a rough situation right there. I am going to go with man. This is close. It's not Seattle in my mind. It's between Minnesota in San Francisco. I am going to freaking shock you over here. And no. I'm, take, I'm taking the Niners out. Oh, my. Get out of here. Now, you got all this talent, roster-wise. They do. They have a lot. But you don't know who your quarterback is, and you don't know, more importantly, if you have a franchise quarterback on that roster. And all of a sudden, you got another year to, for teams to get up to speed on Brock Purdy, see about tendencies, ways to attack him. That is a classic team that has huge expectations, Eddie. And they're still not over the quarterback injuries in the NFC title game against the Eagles. They still haven't been able to turn the page on that. They are a classic team that could get off to a rough start and starts pressing. I can see it. And then you might see a Rams resurgence. You might laugh right now, but getting... Like, imagine if... Imagine if the Niners had not only Jimmy Garoppolo, but uh, Debo Samuel and also Nick Bosa all out. Well, that's what the Rams had last season, okay? Like, so if the Rams have those guys healthy, I think they could have a resurgence. Niners, bye-bye, bye-bye, Niners. That's what I say, Eddie. I don't love it, but someone's got to go. I think you're out of your mind. (laughs) You're out of your mind. That coaching staff is just a different level, and... Kyle Shanahan is just an offensive guru that puts his team in a position to win every single week. Hey, listen, that might be crazy. He's missed a couple of times, though, playoff-wise, though, um, and they've had injuries. So that's the thing in the NFL. You There are going to be some gross things that happen, injury-wise and teams that you think are going to be fantastic, no way, no how. Oh, yeah, the NFL taps you on the shoulder and says, Oh, yeah. Yes way. Yes how. (laughs) It might be the Niners. Watch. With all that being said, it'll be the classic Chris Berman Super Bowl matchup, Bills and Niners. Now that I have both of those teams, (laughs) that's the way it'll go. All right, Eddie, we got a lot to do. Coming up next, which sound is better? And you've got some making up to do, Mr. Garrison, with lining the pockets of the good people the betting public here in the uh, greater Indianapolis area. We'll do that. I'm Brian No, He's Eddie Garrison. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Eddie Garrison here on The Fan. Okay, which is a better rant, Eddie? So, <laughs> Miles Michaelis, Cardinals pitcher, he got tossed from the game yesterday. He hit a Cubs batter. This is the Cardinals color commentator. He was not happy that Miles Michaelis got thrown out of the game. Check this out. Oh, here, here we go. They throw him out? Wow, they just throw Michaelis out of the game. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you have got to be kidding me. Have a little feel for baseball. Have a little feel for the game. 
<laughs> yeah, there's that. Now, we go back what was it, a month or two ago. Davey Martinez, Washington Nationals a manager, he said this. He didn't like a call that was made. There it is, right there. Take a good look at it. Is that on the line? I don't think so. I'm over this play. Seriously. They need to fix the rule. If this is what the umpires see, that he's running down the line, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Fix it. We lost the game, and he had nothing to say about it because he can't make the right call. Brutal. Brutal. You know what? It's close, Eddie. What's your vote? Uh, I'm going with Davey Martinez. You know, the the quick snippets here. you got to be kidding me. Pretty good? Brutal. Okay, I go advantage Davey right there. How about this one? Have a little feel for baseball. (laughs) Fix it. You know, I'd go advantage Davey right there, too. Last one. Have a little feel for the game. Have a little feel for the game. Tired of it. You know what? I go go color commentator. I go Brock Thompson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not bad right there. Okay, Eddie, uh, your training camp song of choice. You're at training camp the way Stephen Holder is. They say, go ahead, pick a song, Eddie. What are you going with? I would uh, I would give a shout-out to honorable mention here, Todd Meyer. He did send in Eruption via our group chat. Yeah. Uh, I'm going started from the bottom. Now we're here by Drake. Okay, that's where you're going with. That would uh, probably go over well, I would imagine. Um, you know, like there's a lot of rap played at a lot of training camp. Um, uh, practices. Oh, Todd going with a guitar solo from Eddie Van Halen. Very nice. I'm going to go off the grid here. I'm going Slayer! Shocker. I'm going to go with Ditto Head, which is, if you don't know, this crazy, like, obnoxious off the wall. Everybody would turn at me like, who invited this guy? What is this? All right, we got to earn some money. Let's get into it here, Eddie. It's time. Drop everything you're doing. Put every dime that you have in your bank account on these picks. If you have animals, if you got cats, pawn the cats. Put that money on these picks. Then go back, buy the cats back. It'll work out. Here he is, Eddie Garrison. Okay, that's different. I like it, though. I am going I'm going to take the Toronto Blue Jays minus one and a half at plus 105. Kevin Gosman on the mound for the Blue Jays. Lucas Giolito making his Angels debut, so I'm going minus one and a half there. Ooh. And then I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Rays on the money line. Shane McClanahan advantage over Christian Javier. Okay, Tampa money line. We got Tampa minus one and a half. Or yeah, Tampa money line and then uh, Toronto minus one and a half. Angels have been playing good lately. Eddie? Has to end sometime. And of course, it's the new guy. Could end today. Yeah. Okay. JMV coming up next live on the road. We'll catch you later. Have a great weekend.